Welcome to the Theory of DFS podcast. I'm Jordan Cooper, the co-author of the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports. It's a 15-hour audio DFS masterclass at theoryofdfs.com. Join me, as always, from spikeweek.com. It's uh, Eric Beimfor, and uh, this is, this is going to be uh, the opposite of, of last week, I think. Last <laughs> week, I, I had my best week, and you closed your laptop early. And, yep. uh, and this week, it, it's, I think, the, the exact opposite. I think, like, you, you, got, you got yourself a, a live final seat, I saw on, on Twitter. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I essentially was making out swaps about 30 minutes into the slate. <laughs> I was essentially, yeah, I, I cashed, out of 20 lineups, I cashed zero of them. <laughs> that, that does sound like my last couple of weeks uh yeah close the laptop early never even i mean really literally i'm i close my like i'm making swaps and like it's it's 128 i think whenever michael Pittman got caught his second touchdown uh i'm like uh i i need to start swapping out some some of these now of course my lineups get even worse because i'm sw- swapping out godwin right because yep. i gotta swap out godwin i gotta swap out dan arnold right i gotta yep. swap out the washington defense so i got i gotta start swapping all this stuff out and now my lineups get even worse at, at that point it doesn't like being tw- being 20 points behind the cash line is no different than being 50 points behind the cash line <laughs> at that point so, so it, to me i don't care about what the final scores of my lineups were uh but uh the the main the main thing uh i would have been ruined regardless probably uh I was perfectly fine, Eric. Saturday night, I built my lineups perfectly fine. Obviously, uh, from my strategic decision, I based on the projections and ownership that I had, I thought the under-owned games was uh, Chargers Patriots, Herbert, Allen, Cook with Myers, you know, yep. something like that. Play Eckler as a secondary, yep. something like that. Uh, and I thought the the Panthers Falcons. Game playing a lot of DJ Moore, a lot of Calvin Ridley. Ridley was going to be chalky, but I mean, playing Kyle Pitts, paying up at tight end because people were punting at tight end. So playing mm-hmm. like uh, uh, Darnold, Moore, Anderson, Pitts type lineups, uh, mixing in Cordell Patterson in there also, uh, and then getting peace. I was under on the Bills, and the Bills lineups that I made were uh, Allen, Beasley, Sweeney type of lineups and avoiding Diggs and Sanders. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I also had, pl- I, I had Rams in every lineup. So I had Stafford stacks and yep. I also had like either, I either had Henderson cup woods in like every, in every lineup I had. I mean, like mm-hmm. just like it's unavoidable, especially since I'm playing slightly contrarian stacks. I could plug in Henderson. I could plug yep. in a cup. Uh, but when you have uh, when you have someone from the uh, the Panthers Falcons game in, in like every one of your lineups, <laughs> like that no no one I Patterson made value, yeah. And other than that, no one else got there. So that like that was just that was just the that, that's that's them's the breaks. I said I said on shows I said this this spot for the Panthers and Falcons, uh, was high variance. Said this could this this is a game. That's that's not going to be unowned, but underowned for its potential to be thirty-five to twenty-eight. But understand, this is also the type of game. It's two bad teams against each other, so it's <laughs> right. so it's either going to be thirty-five to twenty-eight or it's going to be twelve to ten. Right? It's going to be it's going to be probably somewhere not in the middle of those. And yeah. based on the market, I'm going to do that same thing for the Chargers. The Chargers Patriots game could have been thirty-five twenty-eight, or it could have been two teams running the ball seventy percent of the time. 
and it turned out the other way. I thought the over-owned game, uh, only because it was such the most obvious way to stack, was the the Titans-Colts game. If you were able to get different with that, I, I, I don't blame you. Like, I didn't play Michael Pittman as a one-off, but I understand if you played him in a, in a stack— because mm-hmm. it's that stack type of T.Y. Hilton's back. I thought Hill, I thought Hilton was a better play than P- Pittman for, for, the, for the ownership. So, like, kind of that was my, like, I didn't avoid the Rams. Like, to me, the, to me, the Rams were the unavoidable team yeah, versus agreed. all the other teams. But, uh, but apparently, apparently you, 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 you went, you went with an alignment lineup that, uh, that I didn't have. I mean, where, I mean, you, you, you ate the Colts Titans game. And then got different around there. Yeah. And I guess maybe I had a little bit of a, a different outlook. That game wasn't that popular other than Michael Pittman. So Carson AJ Wentz Brown was, was almost not, 20% owned. He was 15% owned in the, the qualifier that I was in. And like 15%. Like, I, I don't know why all of a sudden we care about, we care about like the eighth highest owned wide receiver, uh, you know, well, it depends. It depends on the contest. Like I'm looking just, just, I, I don't want to like, like poo poo what you're doing. Cause you could play chalk as long as you get different elsewhere. So like, I really want to highlight the fact mm-hmm. that I, I went with the strategy of fading the game that I thought was too chalky. And then now I could build my lineups any way I want than having to worry about that. So like in the game changer, so I'm going by like a 15, a single entry, $1,500 contest, the top owned wide receivers, Godwin, Pittman, Brown, Sanders. So, like, from my perspective, I look at that. I see I see Swift and Henderson as the top own running backs, which makes sense. So, to me, when I see when I see uh, Pittman and Brown as the second and third highest owned wide receivers, you can understand why. I don't think uh, Eric. I don't think they were projected that high. I think they. Yeah, ended, so I ended up that high. But I projected them to be high. I think the difference between what what I said and what you're saying is that they didn't project to be as high. Like when you're saying like, oh, if they're both going to be 15% owned, like who gives a shit, right? It's going to be flat enough ownership. I, like changing the ownership the way that I do, I bump Pittman. I put Pittman up to 18 and A.J. Brown up to 16. And they came out as basically the second and third highest owned wide receivers and then they showed up as 28 and 23 in the game changer and the power sweep it was uh 27 and 18.9 so i just i i, I don't I'm, I'm not shitting on on you playing them based on the decisions that you made pre-slate i think i think because i you're gonna say that like pre-slate it's like if the ownership is going to be spread out why don't i just play this game right yeah, and what if I'm if I'm not playing DeAndre Swift and I'm not playing, you know, any well, of the Well, you didn't say you didn't stuff. say you weren't playing. Once you say you're not playing DeAndre Swift, then then there you go. There, there's your right. there's your leverage point. Right, and I have the the so so I didn't play the game changer. I played the four you know, 44, 44, the fourth down conversion, and AJ Brown is fifteen point nine five percent. So it's Godwin, Pittman, T Higgins, DJ Moore, Russell Gage, Devonta Smith, AJ Brown. Emmanuel Sanders. Right. So I'm, like, I'm, I'm bringing your lineup up. So you came in sixth in that for thirty thousand. Yes. And oh no no uh, no now no I see your lineup now now I like your lineup. So so I was going to talk through. So that game was the best game to me, and I wasn't personally worried. I was definitely I the Pittman 
like in a vacuum Pittman ownership thing, like I trust me, I get it. I, I believe that Carson Wentz was the best cheap quarterback and every structure of a team that I tried to build basically required a a cheap quarterback and, and, and the ownership on people spending up at quarterback, unless you were doing, we will get to like the pivots. Like I really did like the chargers game, like you, like you mentioned as well, but like people are playing Josh Allen. It's like, okay, well now I know what the Josh Allen teams are going to look like. And like 8,100 for a quarterback. And like, I like who doesn't like Josh Allen and like 7,200 or whatever for Jalen hurts. Like, of course. Yeah, I get it. I like it. But like the, the gap is, is, has gotten again now so wide between Carson Wentz, Trevor Lawrence, Sam Darnold, Teddy Bridgewater, Justin Fields, who scored, you know, have finally had a, had a good game. There's all those cheap guys down there. Geno Smith had a big game. There was all these like 5K quarterbacks. So like that was kind of where I uh, decided to live. Wentz was, Wentz was my favorite. I wasn't too worried about the, the Wentz ownership. I knew there'd be some of the right him and Pittman, Pittman thing. But then you, you bring back to A.J. Brown and then we got the Jamal Williams news. And, you know, so you, you start to think through this running back thing. Now there's two very clear running back plays, right? DeAndre Swift and Daryl Henderson. And for me, I couldn't possibly agree more. I was like, I'm not fading the Rams. I'm not, I, I'm not, I'm not making a team that has no Rams on it. They're going to score 50 points. Like they, they're, they're a lock to score 35. Basically. Right. It's, it's just a matter of what the distribution of those points are going to be, exactly. but it's going to be points there. Yeah, exactly. And so, like, like you could almost, put, you know, outside of, I guess, maybe, like, Tyler Higby or Van Jefferson or something, you like, you have a requisite floor of every single one of those guys is going to score some level of points. It's just like, like you said, exactly how is it distributed, right? Does Cooper Cup break the slate? Does Daryl Henderson break the slate? Does everybody, which is kind of what turned out to be, everybody did well. You know, the, the main, like, four guys did well, but not, not incredible. But that, so that's what, it, and then... We get this weird thing sometimes on Sunday mornings where we've talked about this and it's not always easy to to dissect where we get this late news. Right. And sometimes it's you know, I think people try to cookie cutter it too much and they say, oh, we got the late news so people won't react. Well, then other times we get the late news and people way react. And I thought that that's what was happening with DeAndre Swift. I like DeAndre Swift. Looks great. Catches passes. Right. Everything checks out. He makes for this perfect correlation if you want to play Hurts, blah, blah, blah. Obviously understand why he was a good play and why he why he projected well. But when you like take a quick step back, you have Daryl Henderson who plays every snap, also catches passes on the best offense in the NFL against the worst team in the NFL. Like there's like almost no paths to failure for for Daryl Daryl Henderson. And then you have DeAndre Swift who yes, you know, he catches passes and all of that, but he's on one of the worst teams in the NFL with a, you know, a, a fairly low scoring expectation. He never gets there through efficiency. He has to catch every time he does something well, it's catching seven, you know, has a good game, catching seven, eight balls, whatever, you know, obviously scoring touchdowns, which he was going to have that role, but I felt like between those two guys basically and I, you know, with the team the the approach that I had, I was not going to play both of them. I was not playing both of those chalky running backs and so I was going to fade Swift and the the you know, the, the thing that you were probably going to mention that I got into, I was, I was super high on the little mini correlations in the Steelers Browns game. And it was because, so like we get this late news with Swift or like just how the week plays out sometimes for whatever reason. And I get it. Like the game was kind of gross, but like we have situations where, okay, Jamal Williams was out, but Kareem Hunt is out also. 
for the Browns and Nick Chubb is back. And it's like, oh, just because uh, Dearness Johnson, you know, had a had a big game the week before, I guess people were like sixty eight hundred dollar chunt, 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 sixty eight hundred dollar uh, Nick Chubb was like, oh, no, like completely unowned. on the on the opposite side of that game. You have Juju Smith Schuster out. So you have, you know, $6,700 Deontay Johnson. I think Claypool was like 63 or something. Mm-hmm. Eric Ebron was also out <laughs> uh, for, for the Steelers. And so you have a really condensed target tree on, you know, there's basically like four relevant players on Pittsburgh and we know they're going to throw blah, blah, blah. So like, and, and also, these- and also since everyone is paying down at, at tight end, like the difference between Arnold and Fryermuth and Jared Cook. Bucks. Right, is yeah. eight, but I, I looked at Jared Cook the same way. I mean, there's like, yep, same. Like, if you're gonna, why not, why not do that instead of playing a chalky Dan Arnold, who obviously got there in garbage time. I saw you, yeah. you know, it's like that that cost you money. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, because Ryan scored 14, but Dan Arnold scored about the same, also. Yeah, but mm-hmm. so many more people had Dan Arnold in that tight end spot, and then he still played Chris Godwin as as chalk in this lineup. And I had him like that was a that was a okay. How do I stand going into that afternoon game? I have Godwin and Washington. What do I need? You know, there's tons. There were there were like tons of swaps you could make. Um, but you didn't have right to. But there, looking but, at this lineup after the one p.m. games, you you feel good with your Wentz Brown Pittman lineup. That's like just stand pat with Godwin in an over owned Washington defense and just block everyone. And you know, yeah. and the thing is, you I mean. Uh, Cleveland Pitt, I mean, you, no one has those points. I mean, yeah. so like, just, there you go. And it just, just so happened that, uh, that Dan Arnold, I mean, were you, at one point, were you in first place? Uh, second. I think I got, I got to, I was definitely live for second. Okay. Cause um, six, because I'm, I'm going up, uh, you had 183.84. So it's the six, the fifth place guy had Arnold. Oxen duck had Arnold. That's a Hunter Henry lineup up there, so you wouldn't have beaten yep. that one. Wilson right. had Arnold, and the first place lineup had Arnold. So yeah, you would you would have came in you would have came in second if Arnold would have just not gotten like the fourth quarter. Yeah, <laughs> like you would have gotten second place for one hundred fifty thousand dollars. Right, which is what I was tilting when I when I, I I came out and tweeted like this goddamn Dan Arnold fourth quarter is absolutely killing me. Like he had like he had like two catches in like the whole game was, until then. Yeah, he was he was doing nothing. He had, he like, had like three four, or points. four fantasy points. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then obviously catches a a ton of balls. The Jaguars love to lay down. You know, all year long they're they're just they just give up in all these games and then they played and then the. It didn't end up costing me any money or any place or anything like that. But then they go down and score. The Travis right? Homer when he returns it for a touchdown and on the onside Travis kick. Travis Homer returns returns the onside kick for a touchdown, and the Jags come out and keep throwing again. Some more. They're throwing. They're throwing again. And I thought Arnold caught another pass or whatever. I was I was texting with. I know. I know uh, the guy who got second in the qualifier need lunch money. You've probably seen his name. Need need lunch yeah. money is his uh, is his his DK his DK name. And he was he was starting to chase chase me down afterwards. And he was like, I don't know whether to feel. He was like, I was starting to feel bad because it was so ridiculous. He's like, I'm gonna catch you. Like I'm I'm literally gonna get Dan Arnold's gonna catch twelve passes in the fourth quarter, and you're gonna lose lose the seat. But um, anyway, get, getting back to it, I kind of, you know, the, the, the Wentz Pittman thing, I knew that there was obviously the Pittman ownership. I knew, you know, there was a level of ownership on, on AJ Brown, but I personally just kind of how the slate shook out. Like I, 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 I was uncertain of how I was going to go, how I was going to do it before the news. 
And I felt stronger once we got the Calvin Ridley news and once we got um, the Jamal Williams news, I felt I felt stronger about just how like I, I was pretty sure like in that that qualifier, like I'd probably be the only person with any of that Steelers Brown stuff. And it was pretty close to to the only per- I was the only person with Friar Mute. Tells you about how owned Dan Arnold was. Right in the four 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 that contest, the Friar Mute was two point five nine percent of it. Which was wild to me. I don't know. Maybe I just had I, I had a different, you know, I understood the Dan Arnold thing, obviously, and, and the, the the roster construction around it, but like an $800 difference for, for, for Friar Muth, I thought he would be a little bit, you know, I knew he'd be low, but he actually came in even, people just really, really piled on Dan Arnold. So um, knowing just how owned Dan Arnold was going to be, how owned Swift was going to be, right, there's going to be a requisite level of Eagles ownership, and then you get the Falcons thing, right, you get the Russell Gage, and and I, I actually was was interested in that game when Ridley was playing, when Ridley was not playing, uh, I was like totally out on that. I was actually thinking about jamming the uh, the Panthers defense just because of, of, you know, just how bad the Falcons offense is and is going to be without without Calvin Ridley. But they and got the Ty, Ty J. Sharp there, though. But they... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ty J. Sharp, the new, the new Julio Jones, Ty J. Sharp on his fifth NFL team or whatever. Um yeah, but I, so I think that my my kind of interpretation of that game was maybe a little bit, especially once Cal, like the Panthers defense is good. And they also added Stefan Gilmore. This is the first game that Stefan Gilmore played for the, the Panthers. So I don't I don't think that they once Ridley was out, I don't think that um, they were getting, you know, quite enough respect. Like I bet the Falcons team total under I bet. So I was really on the kind of fade the Falcons train. On, yeah, but I was more on, on the that game. I was more on the play the Panthers train. Then play the yeah. Falcons. Like the Panthers were all really good plays. I thought. Like, like to, every, to me, at their everybody. ownership, the, I thought DJ Moore. I mean, Robbie Anderson is just a just a Ponzi scheme <laughs> at this point. But he was he wasn't the main reason. I like DJ. I, I, I thought DJ Moore specifically would be underowned against the Falcons yeah. secondary. I thought it was a very wide variance type of thing. So it wasn't that I like the Falcons. It was just that if I'm building lineups with the with Panthers stacks, I'm gonna have Falcons in them. So like, yeah, like that's just the way it works out. So it's just in the same reason why if I'm not going to play uh, Titans, like I or I already thought the, that even even the ownership projections around the industry were off on the Titans-Colts game. I thought it would be the highest owned game. I thought that yeah. would be the highest owned and then the Bills. And then I was right. I, like, I looked at the cards got flipped up at one, 105 when DraftKings like finally loads all the information. And I saw mm-hmm. that Michael Pittman... And like, like I look at the power sweep, like a contest that I'm playing, the, the power sweeps and the, and the spies. Let me, let me go over here. Let me back to slate. Uh, like in the fourth down conversion. I mean, if I take a look at the, the $100 spy or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I take a look at Pittman is. 28% owned <laughs> and uh, AJ Brown is 19% owned. Like that's way over even what I thought it was. So I, I flip the cards and go good. Like I'm satisfied yeah. with my decision. I mean, I, no matter what happens uh, that I wouldn't play them. Like if I wanted to play that, I would play it as a stack and not yeah. as one. Like I would not play AJ Brown or Michael Pittman as one offs. It would be in some type of game stack. Even if I play them both together and don't play Wentz or Tannehill, like just 
if these two guys are going to be chalky, let me at least play them together because if one gets there, the other guy gets there type of yep. thing. But if they're also both going to be chalky, if one guy fails, the other guy fails. So like right. that 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 makes all those lineups dead. So I think from if if you considered the ownership of what the actual ownership, like I don't do anything to, like you don't blame me for not having any of these guys, right? No, and I there were people I was talking to people afterwards, and that's what they were like. How was your like a, approach around those guys being chalky? And I was like, if I'm not stacking that game, I'm I'm not touching those guys, right? Like the, it doesn't make it doesn't make any sense. And then like we talk about every single week. Once once I'm committed to this stack, that's not going to be, you know, you're not sneaking up on anybody with with Wentz, Pittman, A.J. Brown. It's like, OK, let's look, you know, DeAndre Swift. DeAndre Swift was 60 percent owned in the in that. Right. In and the, Eric, I, down, I like I, conversion. I, I like your Swift fade more than the than if you faded Henderson. Yes. Because agreed. Uh, I think the Swift number two reasons. And I, I, I this is the reason why I had less Swift. I still had Swift in lineups. Oh, yeah. uh, I had Swift primarily. If I was playing Swift, I was playing Devontae Smith with him or Goddard with him to mitigate the ownership. Yep. But the problem is, is that the Hurts stack, like the Hurts, Smith, Goddard, you know, Hurts, Goddard, like Swift was like, if you were playing Hurts, you were probably <laughs> playing Swift and Hurts was one of the most owned quarterbacks. So yep. if you're going to fade, or, like you weren't necessarily concerned about Henderson, with that, because Cooks was was barely, I, I had way more Cooks with my Henderson, with my, I, I stacked with, with Cooks, and he did well at, yep. at low ownership, actually. But I just thought that if Swift gets there, most likely Hurts got there. And since you weren't playing Hurts, you might as well fade, you might as well fade Swift. And Henderson, if Henderson gets there, that means Stafford stacks may not get there. Right? right. So yeah, and, you, cup, do, and Cup. And Cup may not go for his, his forty point ride right, exactly that type of thing. So so I think, but if I had to choose between the two, I would have done Swift. And you also must have known that at eleven thirty, when an actors came out, that Jamal Williams news would just make Swift even chalkier. That that was basically my take. Was like Swift is a good play, like before the before the Jamal Williams news. Obviously, he projects well. He's like in the cash game mix. Blah blah blah. He makes perfect sense as, right? Everything you said, like the bring back, right? Like a Jalen Hurts team just like came preloaded with DeAndre Swift yesterday, um, basically. And so like all that makes sense. And then people, like people want to play these types of guys, right? He makes sense, right? You see all the garbage time catches, like you can envision this. And now you're like the only thing that's been standing in the way of DeAndre Swift as like a superstar fantasy wide receiver, you know, as Christian McCaffrey on a shittier team is Jamal Williams. And you're like, maybe, maybe that, maybe that is, is true, but maybe DeAndre Swift is just DeAndre Swift. And now somebody else is going to mix in. And like, now you're just playing a guy on a really, really bad team at 60, you know, a team that might not score, right. which is almost what happened. You're, you're playing, you're playing, you're playing Chubba Hubbard at that point. Yeah, ex exactly. And as someone who has played Chubba Hubbard this year, I can tell you, it's not a very fun experience, you know, to play these, these kinds of guys. And so it was just, could DeAndre Swift have come out and had the, you know, 150 total yards and eight catches and two touchdowns? Yeah, sure. That could have happened, but this, you know, and this was the floor, but like, this is what happens, you know, when you're playing, like when you're betting on the Rams, again, going, comparing the two, basically, like you said, like there's no scenario in which the Rams laid that kind of stinker yesterday. Like they were not going to be down 44 to nothing <laughs> to the Texans, you know, like it they were just going to score. It was just touchdown luck. 
you know, at that, at that point, basically it was, you know, and the Henderson didn't even get the bonus, but he got two touchdowns and sometimes that's just how it goes. Right. You know, if cup gets all of them, you know, you need, you need Cooper cup, but the, there was no way in which the Rams were going to fail. There were very, very real ways in which the lions were going it's to fail. Jared so like Goff at quarterback. Of course there are. Right. <laughs> and, the, and like, even they, they've like lost, you know, like, they didn't have any good wide receivers to begin with. They lost their best one. <laughs> and it's like Jamal Williams is not, you know, anything, anything special, but he's sadly one of their best offensive players. And it's just like, you know, it's a bad team. You know, and that's just how it goes with the bad team. We'll talk about it like an NBA and stuff sometimes too. It's like, you know, a whole, the entire roster from a bad team is out. It's like, okay, yes, you need to be jamming some of these guys, but how far are you really, do you really want to go with this on, you know, like uh, guys that can't barely play in the G League? And like, that's what it is with the Lions. Like Jared Goff is barely an NFL caliber quarterback and you're depending upon him to to lead this. You know, Swift wasn't 5K, he's 7,100. You know, that was another thing. It's like, even if he was maybe like 6K or something like that, we might have a little bit more of a conversation in terms of a team like this that I'm, you know, that I'm building. But I, I couldn't agree more. That that was my my general stance on on Henderson versus versus Swift. Um, I also and then, then, that and then what back, about what, what about the T hit like does that five k range? I mean, I just ranted about this on the DFS pregame show. Like, what what what? I thought T Higgins would be higher on than Pittman, and T Higgins yeah. in the spy was thirteen percent. Michael Pittman was twenty eight. And then Higgins was twenty three. There, there were some pretty big discrepancies. So in that, in the, in the fourth down conversion, Higgins. So Higgins in the play action is ten percent, and then he is twenty four percent in the, in the, the fourth down conversion. He, he was a wild swings. Pittman was like a little bit closer to flat across every contest. Well, but the, but that's uh, the, but the point that I was making is that between those five K level receivers, like if I go down from Cooks, Cooks, uh, Smith, Pittman. Higgins, Myers, Beasley, Sanders, even. Manny, Manny, Sanders. Manny Sanders. Like, is there like, I'm not crazy because th- th- this is me re- assessing my play. Like, because I I have to go over things and go, did I miss something? And I went through all of the projection sets. I, I I mean I aggregate, so I mean I could see yeah. all the projections. Uh and is there a reason why? Like if if you told me all of these guys that I just named were around the same ownership, put them into a hat and play whoever you want. I mean, like, <laughs> like that that's what it that's what it felt like to me. Maybe Myers has a, a lower ceiling. You can make the case of maybe you don't play Sanders because you're not playing Allen, and so you're playing some other. Yeah. Like, there's strategic reasons or something like that, but just purely from a projection versus ownership reason, like why other other than steam, other than articles other than uh possible other projection sets not having Hilton in uh why is Pittman this much more owned than all the other I just like that that's the thing that that am I missing am I missing yeah. something there I don't I, I I definitely don't have a have a, a good a good answer for that one I do find it interesting um to kind of piggyback on your 5k like all those 5k guys being being owned so like again look this is so this is just average ownership across all all contests but like out of 
Pittman in the 5K range, Higgins in the 5K range, and Gage was cheaper, but Devonta Smith in the 5K range, Mandy Sanders in the 5K range, Jacoby Myers, right? So that's like what, six or seven of the top 10? Right, plus you have to add Cooks also at 5,700. Yep. He's viable. Cooks, Judy was 10% average owned across the board, like you said, Cole Beasley. So like out of the top 15, it's like 80% of these 5K guys, and which, which like it's not an argument for them as a collective and how they projected and all that kind of stuff. But like, I also found it funny because it's like, okay, everyone's saving at tight end, right? With Dan Arnold or name a punt, saving, saving at defense, right? Whether it's Washington or whoever you like, that's a cheap, that's a cheap defense. And there's, who are you spending? No one's playing Derrick Henry, you know? So who I, I, I was conf, kind of confused about, cause, cause if you look at the 6K range, of, of wide receiver. I know AJ Brown was owned, but like AJ Brown in this game, you know, dome high scoring game against the Colts, no Julio Jones at 6,900 is like a slam dunk. Like I, I said it yesterday. I was like, AJ Brown to me is the best wide receiver play, like best projection play on, on, on this slate. Like he's the, the, the target share that you're going to get from this guy and the, the quality of player that he is. I was like, I don't think he's going to be owned enough. No, now, no, but Godwin, I would agree, I guess, Eric. Eric, I'm not complaining. Godwin compla- is close, right? But I'm not. I'm not complaining about. See, the thing is that I'm not complaining about AJ Brown. AJ Brown and his ownership in that range, I'm fine with. I'm. I'm. He projected well. I mean, you had like Keenan Allen there. You had DJ Metcalf there. You got. I mean, should he be that much more owned than anything else? But it's not. It's not like AJ Brown was over twenty. Like I take a look at the spy. AJ Brown was nineteen. The fourth down conversion was fifteen. Like. It's not to some excessive level. Like, I prefer DJ Moore in that range, which is perfectly fine. In the spy, see, like, this is the difference between the contests. In the fourth down conversion, A.J. Brown was 15.9 and DJ Moore was 18.5. Yep. But I don't play the fourth down conversion. I play more <laughs> the contest like the spy. And in the yeah. spy, uh, A.J. Brown was 19.3 and DJ Moore was 11.6. Yeah, huge. Those are huge differences. Right, actually. but I can see from your point in your contest, like, yeah, you're right. Like, I, but I, but I don't even have a problem with AJ Brown because who else on the who else on the Titans are so, you playing? Like, yeah, I so understand I if you're say, stacking that game, who else are you taking? You're, you're not taking yeah. it. At least on the Colts, if you said I'm going to leverage off a of Pittman and play Hilton or play Pascal or play Jack Doyle or play Moel, uh, you you play Jonathan Taylor and st- I mean, it just yeah. seems like on the Colts, like, why are people so confident? I mean, he got there. That's what I'm saying. What I'm, Eric, I'm asking for help. I never I never asked for help before. What an, what the fuck did I miss with Pittman other than other than he got steamed up and he got there. I mean like like that's all I could view it. I'm going through everything I can cuz I miss I miss ownership. I mean I even miss ownership projected him. Like yeah. I I put him at 18%. I thought he would be overowned at 18 and he comes in like 28 and I go what what did, what did I miss? So I, I was just someone gonna, tell me, please. Uh, someone email me. What did I miss? On the six eight, send you a. Do you have a, still have a pager? I know you're kind of a, a boomer. You probably can page you or fax you or or something like that. Send me, uh, send me a pigeon. Send me a carrier pigeon. Yeah. Or something. <laughs> uh, no, I, what I was just going to say about the six K range thing, I found it fascinating because of everything that you said. So I understand Geno Smith is is, is the quarterback. Tyler Lockett is 6,100 against the freaking Jaguars. DK Metcalf is 6,800 against the Jaguars. Keenan Allen is 6,500, right? AJ Brown is 6,900 without Julio Jones against the against the Colts. 
there's there's my Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool. Uh, obviously, Godwin was was chalky, but Evans and Moore are you know in a not that much more expensive. But there's this whole six and seven k range of like the best wide receivers in the NFL, and some of them are the the best wide receivers in the NFL in good matchups. And some of them are missing opponents, like the same situation that like all oh, the Falcons are out. So now we got to play Russell Gage, but like you don't need the savings. And yet people weren't playing, right? The Steelers guys or the Seahawks guys or Keenan Allen, like you mentioned, or but they were living only in this 5K range, you know, outside of Chris Godwin, obviously, and a little bit of AJ Brown. And I thought, so I found, so like nobody's playing Robert Woods. No, like Cooper Cup wasn't even that that popular, you know? It, it was it definitely nobody's playing Jamar Chase, but they're playing T Higgins. So I just found it to be kind of, that dynamic was was super interesting uh, uh, to me. But on the Pittman thing, I I don't really have a, a, a good reason. I I thought um, that the T.Y. Hilton like coming back thing wasn't really a, a major a major issue. T.Y. Hilton is pretty much just dust at this point to me, and like he, he actually like probably helps the offense a little bit, I guess, as like a deep down the field down the field thread. And I think Pittman is in games where they're going to throw. Pittman is is definitely there. No, I'm, I'm not saying he's. I'm, I never said he was a bad play. I'm just saying based yeah. on all the projections I've looked at. There's no re- like I'm 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 looking through I'm going through it's like let me double check this let me like is there any projections that are, have him at like 18 median like that puts him so much further above and like there's nothing that, yeah. I mean there's not I mean like like in all the projection sets that I looked at Higgins for one hundred dollars cheaper had a higher median in every in every single one that I looked at so like mm-hmm. if if you would have told me that Higgins was twenty eight percent owned and Pittman was 11 and it came out that way I at least I would have a reason for that I would be like well yeah well if you're using an optimizer it's it's going to jam in Higgins for 0.4 more projected points over Pittman in any lineup with a guy that you need at 53 or 5200 especially since Higgins is 100 cheaper but that was the case and then Pittman still and it's not like and it's not like Wentz was 15% owned I mean that that that's that that's what I'm look I'm looking I'm going it to me it looks like just steam and I'm I'm willing yeah. to accept I'm I'm willing to accept that and it's and like, they get there anyway but I don't see any numerical mathematical reason no other than other than well he was talked up a bunch by a bunch of people I mean like the steam type of stuff right yeah I. Yep, I, I, you know, we talked about it last week where I am pulling in some stuff and doing some some minor tweaks. So I, I, my, you know, level of projection had him over Higgins, but like you said, it wasn't such a, it was, you know, half a point, right? Not enough yeah. to make up for that ownership gap. No, I think, and, and and then not even just Higgins, right? Like we just talked about all these five, Brandon Cook. Why, why is why why are any of these guys that different from Brandon Cooks? And you're and, and people are playing the Rams, right? That that's the thing. That I I was I was trying to get less of Cooks in my lineups because I'm like, Stafford. I really liked Cooks, and yeah. I did right. Stafford, I'm like Stafford, Cup, uh, Higby, Cooks. I'm like, who's yep. not? I'm I'm looking at this lineup, going, who's not building building this line? It, and I have <laughs> in those lineups, I have to play Swift because I'm not playing Henderson in those lineups, right? So right. now now right. that goes down. Uh, yep. But like when I oh, when I the cards flip over. And I see Cooks is like five percent owned. I go, and and the Rams are owned. Yeah. Like, how did that? I projected Cooks for like twice, three times his ownership, and that's why I was I was treating Cooks as a chalk piece. 
But all the ownership was going towards Michael Pittman. Like all of this ownership just started getting sucked towards Michael Pittman. That now I'm making lineups that I think are too chalky that are actually good and that are actually good <laughs> yeah. enough, right? I I think that, like yeah. okay now now that I'm doing this I, uh you know and and I I nailed the cheap uh, running backs. It didn't matter because none of them caught uh, Michael Carter and Eli Mitchell, especially Eli yeah. Mitchell on DraftKings. He was chalky on Fanduel for fifty eight hundred. Mm-hmm. But I'm like I need cheap. I need in my Cooper Cup lineups. I and everyone in Cooper Cup lineups is going down and getting Russell Gage or Van Jefferson. Mm-hmm. And they're still playing DeAndre Swift in those liners. So it's like, why don't I just pay down twice at running back? Like, why don't why don't I just play some of these cheap run? Michael Carter projected well. If I wouldn't have thought, and if, if if I didn't look at projections, he probably wouldn't have never been on my radar. Why am I playing a Jets running back, right? <laughs> and it's like, well, Mike, you know, obviously dump offs and never. I mean, like they've no one. They've. I mean, Corey Davis was out. Yep. And now now it's Jamison Crowder running running six yard slants. Uh, and and Elijah Moore doing nothing. I mean, like, like what else is they going to do other than dump the ball off to the running back? And that's probably why he projected well. And then Eli Mitchell probably doesn't catch a pass, but he'll probably carry the ball 20-plus times, and he's only like 5,400 on DraftKings. I could play him and the 49ers defense against Fields. Fields looked good because Matt Nagy wasn't yeah. there. Uh, <laughs> but I was under the assumption maybe Fields gives up, you know, five turnovers again, and mm-hmm. there you go for that. But, like, the... Eric, these are the things that I I don't I don't like, like because I, I I I've been sneaking around in some discords. Uh, I don't participate. I just you know I'm a, I'm because I'm a subscriber and everywhere, so I know the 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 take the the everything is take based. I mean, we talked about this uh, like a year ago with back testing your takes mm. of like of the confirmation bias of like. I, I saw, I saw like victory. It, it, it's, I don't want to call it victory lapping of like, you're applying a football related thing to something that is already projectable to explain a, a success or a failure. Yet you're never going to be right. You're always going to be 50, 50, regardless of what that is. So like, I this is what I saw in, 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 in one discord about Michael Pittman. It's like Michael Pittman actually became a better play because Hilton would be used as a decoy. Now, could that be true? Yes. But saying that after the fact or being able to project any of that is is questionable. I mean, how often are you going to be right on that? Maybe 50-50. Same person. Same exact person uh, had like a ton of Kenny Gainwell. Okay, which was an extremely fragile Eagle situation because figuring that Jordan Howard's not going to do anything. He's just there. Basically, his his take, because I read it, take was Jordan Howard is is basically there as an emergency. Hopefully, he doesn't vulture a one-yard touchdown if he does come (laughs) in. Boston Scott will probably get the early down work, but Kenneth Gainwell will be the one that gets the high-value touch. Basically, Kenny Gainwell is the DeAndre Swift like Jamal Williams is Boston Scott and DeAndre Swift is Kenny Gainwell. And then if you saw after the first half, Kenny Gainwell barely touched the ball at all. <laughs> he barely uh, touched the field. Right, the field <laughs> at all. Uh same person. Uh Cordell Patterson news comes out. And you got basically this guy this guy's opinion was you got to jam in Cordell Patterson. Cordell Patterson will be the de facto wide receiver one 
in this offense. And they will run Mike Davis and Patterson together. Pa- Cordell Patterson only only saw 50% of the snaps yesterday. He only you got- want to talk about over-owned? Cordell Patterson was 26.72% in the fourth down. In the fourth down, and he was he was lucky to get his 18 points. I know. And Mike Davis got, but but the thing is, we're not we're not victory lapping or or anything like that. We're just explaining these are situations that are fragile. So applying like a certainty, a confidence on a fragile situation is a poor way of playing DFS, and then overfitting those takes over what the results were makes you just be biased for all the, for the next slate and the next slate and the next slate, because you'll remember that like for me to say I did good playing a 7% Michael Carter and a 5% Eli Mitchell doesn't mean it like in and of themselves. It's like, no, I think they were under owned for what they were and they got there. I thought Pittman was over owned and he got like, it's, I'm going to be, Sometimes it's going to be right. Sometimes a guy that's yep. over-owned is going to get there. Sometimes a guy that's under-owned is not going to get there. But, yep. like, I'm not basing it on football things of, like, well, that's why the thing with Pittman, it's like, we're, we're numbered. Like, what what did I get wrong for him to be so much more owned than everyone else? And if it's just steam, I'm, I could, okay, then I have to adjust my, my steam rating for my <laughs> ownership. But the thing is, is that had I put Michael Pittman at 24, let's say, I would have just X'd out the game. So like my decision wouldn't have even changed. So like yeah. I look at that, but then I take a look at other other analysts that are just overfitting st- like 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 oh yeah, I, I yeah, you had to play Pittman because of 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 the game environment and everything. It's like well you 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 said that you said that after the fact. Like after the fact, but you're the same person that you're not mentioning how much Kenny Kenny Gainwell you have. Like like the same person that's saying, "See, I told you." is never pointing out, see, I told you to all his Kenny Gainwell lineups that are sitting there hoping that he, obviously Gainwell got some garbage time to get get some four points. But it's like, you're going to be right with those types of takes on fragile situations 50-50. So to me, the way that I perceive it and the way I play is that I just disregard them completely because if it's a coin flip anyway... Why even bother doing it? I mean, like that's 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 the game theory aspect of it. If something comes down to like a 50-50 completely, like it really that's the types of decisions you pay no you, you, you put no time into. Right. And you spend the time assessing what your competitors are gonna be doing, right? Because okay, so if it's a 50-50, if if the gainwell thing was a 50 so I thought, here's the example from the, the lineup that I played. I thought the Nick Chubb thing was like a 50-50. He's in in years past. He, anytime he or Kareem Hunt are out, the other one assumes a close, let's call it 80% of, of that backfield. You know, they, they basically, you know, they catch the passes now, right? Which is part of the, the issue with Chubb Hunt is kind of the pass catcher. Historically, the other one, including Chubb, when Hunt is out, just kind of takes over, you know, this other guy, Dearness, or yeah, they've had other guys in the past, will mix in, right? A little bit, because not a, no running back plays every snap. You know, uh, that just doesn't really happen anymore. Najee, even Najee is taking a break, taking a water break here and there nowadays. Um, but it's a fragile so, enough situation that Chubb should could easily, for 6,800, have 100 r- rushing yards and two touchdowns. And he's coming he, in at 5, could, 6% owned. So, like, yep, but, but so many getting, people, but the football take people are the ones that are like, no, well, I have a take on it. Like, 
Like, right. why like, why isn't why isn't the Chubb situation as 50-50 as the Gainwell situation, as the Pittman situation, as the exactly. Cordell Patterson situation? I mean, we're dealing with a highly variant sport regardless. So to be that confident on things, I mean, that's the whole game that we're playing. We're trying to exploit other people's confidence in things that are extremely variant. And right. And so And, and you and went so you went pick- the Chubb route of like everyone thinks Chubb's not gonna be like that. And you're going to go, well, at 6%, it's worth it to do it. It's worth it to take a shot. And and, and he got the same amount of points as Swift. So it's not like he did yeah. well. It's just that <laughs> yeah, Swift was terrible. so high owned that you were able to match him, you know, and not lose anything because of it. Right. And Dearness did get the touchdown. So it's like that fragile, that fragile situation. Dearness mixed in. Dearness was playing a, a good chunk of passing downs. So that fragility, like you said, that 50, 50 coin flip, it actually didn't turn out in the way that, you know, you would hope. If you're if you're playing Swift, you didn't get the touchdown. You didn't get some of the passing down work, and also Baker Mayfield is god fucking awful <laughs> at, at football, so they didn't score a lot of points. But um, but they, so like the the thing about that, like with the the team that that I played, and I'm trying to like kind of like make sure I'm I'm getting you know whether whether I played well or not this week. You know anyone can have their their opinion on that, but I'm making sure to like simplify. You know, my, my galaxy brain, you know, we get on here sometimes and, I, you know, you know I, we'll talk through the week and I'm like, I did this and I did that. And it's like, dude, just fucking chill out. Like, you don't you know, like you're playing in a 250 man contest. Like, you know, you don't have to do that many things. And so I came in and I decided based on what I, you know, I did not expect Pittman to get that level of steam. I was like, I don't know, let's call it 20%, um, you know, ballpark it at 20, maybe low 20s or something. Wentz was my favorite chief quarterback, so thus Pittman makes sense with him. A.J. Brown was my favorite wide receiver on the entire slate, so that stack makes perfect sense. I wanted to fade Dan Arnold. I wanted to fade DeAndre Swift. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and then and then it's like, And jamming okay, the best plays. I'm, then you have Godwin and the Washington defense. Who cares? Yeah, exactly. Godwin, Washington defense. And right? Henderson, and now. you got Henderson. Right. That, and, there you go. Yep. And bang. Like, so, but, but it's like that, that chub, like, once I made – the decision to make a couple of fades and the decision to to play some some of that chalk it was like i got this one game situation that is all that also happens to be the pivots off of the chalk right chubb and deontay chubb and friar muth however you want to do it are the fades of swift and arnold you know and, and, and technically like, ridley if ridley played in that sixty six hundred dollar range yep ex- ex- exactly so it was like it all made made perfect sense as the lineup coming together and people be like, Oh, why did you play this chalk? You know, people were kind of asking me that like, Oh, how did you decide to play this chalk piece? I'm like, well, first of all, I will admit I did. I did not get the Pittman ownership, right? <laughs> I did not expect 30. Like that was pretty wild. I, I, I definitely ad- admit that, but I was like, you know, to, to, to quote you, I was like, because it's about the lineup. It's not about that, that player. I left myself just enough, you know, optionality that if 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 i wanted to play godwin was the best play to me on the slate washington football was the best defensive play and and you know i didn't care about their ownership if everything in the early slate went right for me and it was pretty close and it was pretty close to go to to completely going right for me yeah like you said lineups lineups not players right and and you could have gone a different way by fading henderson playing swift Right. And or playing a different side saying, I'm, I'm going to play the Ram stack. And in the Ram stack, yep. you, you play Swift and over Henderson. And then maybe you play Derrick Henry in that lineup to leverage, play Jonathan Taylor to leverage off the other. Like all of all of those are, are equally good. Good ways of thinking about lineups and not players. I mean, I, I do that more so with numbers. 
than yeah. with, you know, thinking it through. But I'm sure that that if I ran your lineup through through my like my ownership projections, like I'll, I, I could even I mean, I mean, the thing is, is I didn't really have the Steelers and the Browns. Like I didn't have any of them. But mm-hmm. if you're going like the the thing that I, I liked about your lineup is that if you're going to play Chubb, why not, why not play Fryer? Why not play a Steeler on the other side? Like you correlate, you said if Chubb has, has a big, you know, 80 yard run. Now this, the game speeds up and the Steelers have to pass more and you have the target hog for the Steelers and Deontay Johnson, and you have the leverage tight end off of Dan Arn. I mean, like, like to me, to me, it makes, it makes complete sense to correlate. Like Deontay Johnson, people may look at and go, well, why'd you play him? Well, it's more the fact that you're playing Chubb. It's like yep. you could have played DK Metcalf in that spot, but DK Metcalf has nothing to do with Nick Chubb. So yep. if you're going to choose between the two, what you could have played Keenan Allen in that spot. But it's like, but the difference in projection between Keenan Allen and Deontay Johnson isn't great enough to not just take the correlation between yeah, two sides of a game. How in these, particularly in these smaller fields, right? I did not need the nuts to win, like to win this 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 week because I'm only playing in a hundred to. 500 man fields in the two contests we've mostly been talking about this live final qualifier and the the uh the 4444 were you know no bigger than 250 people and so i want to without again without um getting over leveraged or without getting you know too galaxy brain or without giving up too much projection how do i limit the amount of things i need to get right mm-hmm. To, and that and that's that's exactly what happened. I got the the one game right. Obviously, Colts Titans needs to shoot out, and it does. And I need Brown Steelers to go exactly like what you said. Let me get let me get Chubb having some success. You know, maybe Chubb breaks off a long run in the first half. Now he's a smash, and we know what happens with the Steelers when they like just get crazy pass happy. And I'm just gonna rack up all those catches. Like, like every, you know, Big Ben's going to throw it 55 times and Deontay's going to get, you know, 18 of them and Fryermuth's a cheap tight end who is leverage off of Dan Arnold. And it's like, if those two things go my way, I got the best plays around it. Give me Henderson, give me Godwin, give me Washington. And it's like, all I got to do is get those two things right. And then, you know, it's it's wheels up. And I didn't even get those two things. I didn't, I only got one of those things right. I didn't even get those two things right. But just by you know, kind of making a lineup that, that, that works well together. Sometimes that's how, that's how, that's how it breaks for you. You know, there were tons of different, like little three V threes off of those Browns and Steelers and stuff that I could have done that worked better. But like you said, this one for me um, and my approach to the slate made, made the most sense. And it allowed me to basically just have to get two things right um, to like, just completely blow the slate away. And, you know, obviously that didn't happen, but it was close. Right. I, I have your lineup here and, uh, in my aggregate projection set, uh, with in in my in my calculation, your your lineup was slightly over leveraged for the size of your contest. It was it did did this projection versus ownership to me at least mm-hmm. uh, fits more of a uh, power sweep spy five thousand player field, but. I mean, it's still, I mean, I'm looking at the projection. It's still, I mean, if I compare it to the optimal, like it's a, it's good enough. I mean, but you've done lineups before where I've seen the projection versus ownership and go like you're, you're playing a milli milli maker lineup. Mm-hmm. So yep. it's like, if you add the correlation to this, this gets bumped up to about maybe 140. No, no. 
I, I mean, I'm not trying to poo-poo your lineup. I think it's a good lineup. I'm just like, yeah, I don't but, give a shit. Right. You don't give a shit. All I'm, <laughs> all I'm saying that based on the projections that I had, uh, like it's not, I mean, I just didn't get to the Cleveland Pittsburgh. I mean, I wasn't playing that game. I wasn't, I wasn't utilizing that game. I, mm-hmm. I understand why you would do it that way, but they were just like my projection on Deontay Johnson, uh, like you were overspending by like 800 because a lot of those 5k, like Brandon Cooks, I had for literally more points than Deontay Johnson for a thousand cheaper. So that's the only reason why the projection comes down. Mm-hmm. But if you're already betting on Chubb, then why not play Deontay? Like I, I like to me, I get the, I get the lineup. So like, yep. had I had Chubb in my player pool, Deontay Johnson would have appeared in line. I mean, like it would have ended right. up that way. Right. I still, I still have to come on and kind of shit on something that you do, right? That's. I don't. Yeah, I don't right. give a shit. I made the money. Right. You can say whatever the fuck you want. My right. As long as I'm on the top of the leaderboard, what's the matter? <laughs> yeah. But, the, but, the, but this also highlights something that you know uh, you see in the YouTube comments or people like, like, and, and if you take just the account of an NFL season, which is still too short. We think in terms yeah. of we're also playing NBA, we're also playing MLB, so it's not just the NFL. Like some, like we did this last year, and it's a very similar type of thing where uh, we do it for 18 weeks during the NFL season, and probably maybe 16 out of those 18 weeks, you're showing up going with a with an air ball, right? You're showing, <laughs> and people are listening, going, "Why, why, why am I, why am I, why do I care what Eric has to say?" He constantly shows up and, as as a loser. Right. Well, faded Derrick Henry again. Faded Cooper Cup again. <laughs> right. <a> fucking idiot. <laughs> but the thing is, is that one one week, one or two weeks, makes up all your profit. For I mean, like, like yes, I know you got a live final qualifier seat, so that has to turn into something. But there's a minimum payout on that also. Yeah, twenty. It's 20 right. Yeah. But I'm saying, but you in in realized equity. I mean, what you 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 had a fifty thousand dollar day, right? Mm-hmm. Almost sixty. Yeah. Right. So I mean. Which, but that's it, and that, and that that obviously helps make the season. But like it was, I would, you know, I was a couple of Dan Arnold catches away from literally making like the year. You know what I mean? Right. You're talking 100, 150 plus or something like that. And so that it proves your your exact point, right? That like it's I'll show up. You now we're in week eight. It's the first time I showed up where I was like, hey, this is this is a really good week, and hopefully we can do that one more time this right. year. And I'm probably going to show up a lot of other times and. You just hope that the bad weeks, right? Maybe you can sneak some min caches in there to keep yourself a, a afloat and 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 not brick. You know that was my problem was I min cash one out of the first seven weeks basically, um, and luckily the RG projections and the blitz projections and stuff were good in cash games. That was always keeping me afloat, not my tournament play. But that's what you're just trying to like. I'm just trying to hang on until you get. You know, it's it's just kind of like this and this and this, and then you get the one big spike, and that's that's my season, and that's how. Uh, luckily I've been able to train my brain to not like want to kill myself when you go through the, you know, two months or whatever of losing. Yeah. But that's, but that's, that's the reality. I always want to highlight that, that, that you, it playing well looks like that. Yeah. Like play, like the, the only way to get the big spikes is to play that nine out of 10 times you lose. Yeah. Right. So if you're not playing for the nine out of 10 times that you lose, you end up going, I mean, I talk, I, I get emails from people and I talk to people that are like, I've been playing DFS for five years and I've not, I've not had a, an, a top five finish in any GPP I've ever played. Like, like, which is a long time to play for five years on and off, maybe not every day. And, 
you know, it's like, it, and they go, like, it seems like I win, I win more often, I win, quote, I min cash, you know, get money back more often than, you know, I'm comfortable, but I'm just seems like, you know, every year I'm, I'm bleeding, and they're playing low stakes. So it's like, yeah, every, every year it's like, I lose like 1200 bucks, right? They're playing lower stakes. They're playing three, $1, $3 contest, $5 yeah. single entry type of stuff. Uh, but it's like, you know, after five years, like I, I, I saw some of your stuff. I watched some of your shows. Like, can you explain to me, like, why, you know, five five years of not, like, is, is that me just being unlucky? And I'm like, then they finally get Roto Tracker, right? And they put their CSV and then they show it to me. And I especially look at their finishing position graph and it's like 0.7% in the top 1% and like tons of stuff in the in the mid-range. And, and I go, yeah, because you're not playing, you're not, you're not taking enough risks, Right, you're play, you're playing very low, lower variance lineups. You have to play higher variance lineups, mm -hmm. it, and and it says says, uh, so how much? And they always talk about how much per slate do I play? What contest should I play? It's like none of that matters unless you can make good lineups. And he said yeah. said you know what you know what the best type of lineups there are, and, and they go well the ones that could score the possibly the most points. I go no, the ones that could either be in first place or in last place. <laughs> so if you're not getting last places. You're probably yeah. doing something wrong because your lineups are should be should be variant enough that you do get last places. Now, a lot of these large field contests have such bad lineups that your last place finish is still like a top eighty percent finish. So, right. like my low, my lower couple is very low because there are people that don't submit lineups that have injured players. So, like you're not going to get all the way in the bottom, but just until you get until you drill that into your head of like. Playing well means losing 90% of the time. Like, you don't get those spikes, and you end up bleeding money away. So these short-term, like, well, how's your NFL season doing? It's like, like, it's been eight weeks. Imagine saying, saying uh, on April 11th, how's your MLB season doing? <laughs> right? It's the, yeah. It should be treated right. the same exact way of, like, mm -hmm. how like, we've played more NBA slates this season already then you will play all nfl season and yep. nba just fucking started i mean like like we we're, were like 15 slates into nba or something 15 16 slates no you never i don't see people in discord going oh my god such a bad nba season right this has been <laughs> the absolute i must be i must be doing something wrong i must be what like you don't see that in nba after 16 slates but 16 slates in nfl is almost the whole season and people look at that and they go, like, oh, my God, I only won one week out of 16. It's like, did you win enough that one week to make up for the other times? No. <laughs> okay, well, then it's a losing. Then then you go, you lost on the season. But that one win could have been $100,000. And they that's, that's I, I know probably the people listening to this understand that. But, I mean, I always want to yeah. highlight that over and over and over again. That most of the, if we, if we weren't good players, if we weren't profitable players, uh, we'd, we'd show up and be like all the other podcasts that I listened to. What did you get right? What were your good calls? Yeah. What were your bad calls? And no one ever talks about like how well they did and how bad they did. If, if, we're, if we're doing a podcast for 18 weeks of an NFL season and we were good players, 16 out of, uh, probably 14 out of 18 weeks, we'd show up and we'd both say how bad we did. Right, right. Fourteen out of the eighteen weeks. Then two out of the eighteen weeks, one of us would be going, 
you know, dink something, right? Big hit. Mm-hmm. And then the other, yep. and then two other weeks would be the other person that says, <laughs> right? It would be the thing I did yep. horrible and you did great. And I, you did great and I did horrible. Like, like it shouldn't, a, a good, a podcast that actually talks about DFS in reality should sound like, it should sound like two people, should sound that 80% of the time it's two people talking about how horrible they did. <laughs> right? That, that's really what it, it should, that, I mean, that's really what it should be. It should be two people, if they're maximum uh, MME players, be like, be like, yeah, I'm glad that I got uh, got got 60% of my money back. And the other guy's like, <laughs> I had minus 90%. It was awful. Right? That would <laughs> that would be nor- that would be normal. And then the two weeks later, one guy would be like, Yeah, I kind of like minus 20% survive in advance. And the other guy would be like, I made three million dollars. Right. I mean, like, like, <laughs> like it would be something, it would be something like that. Like that's yeah. That's what it's supposed to sound like because I do the pregame show and it's still, you, you, I get new people in and they're like, like why should I listen to you if you if if you lost yesterday, like because even the even in cash games like you're gonna lose like it, the best players are gonna lose forty percent of the time right I mean like yeah like just yeah. handling those losses and like yesterday was a was a was a bad day and and to I've more pre like Eric. I must I must feel that this is me me sitting on the psychologist couch, okay? To tell me because because you because you do it, uh, and I don't. I've always used cash games as as a way to smooth out swings, but I'm not I'm not like I'm not like the most profitable cash game player. Yeah, I'm a profitable one, but I mean like, what's a two percent ROI? I mean like not. Yep. It's it's not it's not much. But on a week-to-week basis, like, that's the lineup that I sweat the most because I have the most amount of volume, right? Yeah. So, like, I'll play all the like, the play on DraftKings, FanDuel, early only, late, you know, stuff like that to diversify. But it's like I played uh, – yesterday I played $2,400 worth of GPP lineups, okay? If I just played the $2,400 worth of GPP lineups, I would have gotten back, I think, 60 bucks. I mean, like, literally. like, but uh, To me, that's, okay, I lost $2,300. But if I'm playing eight thousand to ten thousand dollars worth of cash, and I only you know win twelve percent of my head to heads, like that that's like an eight thousand dollar loss, like plus the GPP losses. Like I could I could I could like in MLB a lot of times I didn't play cash. I play fifteen hundred dollars worth of MLB GPP entries, and the most I could lose is fifteen hundred. If I airball everything, that's fifteen hundred, and even that doesn't happen that often. You get, yeah, maybe you get 10%. 1,500 turns into 200. And it's like, okay, that sucks. (laughs) But a lot, but most nights it'll be 1,500 turns into 1,100. Turns into 900. Turns into like, like where you're not, you're not losing that much. But let's say you played $8,000 worth of cash on top of it and lose. Like, well, the next day you're going to play $8,000 worth of cash and go up. And like it, but those, from a raw value perspective, monetarily, like you have to think of like, like how much money is, like, I have to look at the percentages. So like yesterday, I lost a, an equivalent of. It, it's going to sound ridiculous. This is why I need. I maybe I need. A, I need a DFS psychologist. <laughs> and maybe this is why I play too conservative. I. I. My bankroll is too conservative. Yesterday, I. I. I lost big. I lost three point four percent of my bankroll. Okay. That sounds sounds like a normal. Uh, way way normal Sunday for most for most people. And, uh, uh yeah, that's. But in, but in raw money, but if you relate it to raw money, yeah, it's it like to a normal person, you'd be like, 
I, oh my God, I can't believe you lost that much money. But it's only three point four percent of my bankroll. So like, but I still, but I feel it's it's weird because in poker I never felt this way as much. Where it's like I could lose a grand in a, a buy-in or something on a night and be like, okay, that's a thousand. You know, you know, I have a I have a fifty thousand dollar bankroll. Who cares? I mean, like, yep. I go up and down. But also, I was younger. I had less, you know, less expenses or dependents or anything like that. But it makes me feel as if like if I if yesterday I didn't play cash games and just played twenty four hundred, I, I would I emotionally from a mental health perspective because yeah I know you're big into mental health. I am right, and we're all humans, and I'm the robot. Now I'm the <laughs> robot coming to you. I'm I'm getting I'm getting human feelings. Well, it's like one of the movies where the robot starts to become yeah feel feel human and and become become like I robot or something like that. The robots take over. The, right. Is that what you and Osimo and you goddamn robots are going to start actually having human emotions? Is that what's happening? Yeah, but the the fact is, is that I I feel like the whole point of me doing like like I could do NBA cash games and I do that and I'm playing like every day and I'm playing playing primarily an optimal lineup one of the top yeah. optimals and I basically took that money aside I said I'm going to play with x amount of money that's my fictional percentage of the bankroll and it's like I know what the maximum I could lose I know what the swings of that and I could go ups and downs with that but with NFL like it's the, it's the week to week maybe it's the week to week basis of it where yeah like in NBA, I feel like if I airball an NBA slip, well, the next day I, yeah, I'm talking about more like in cash games, mm-hmm. GPPs I can handle because I'm not playing fifty thousand dollars worth of GPP. I'm playing, you know, uh, you know, on an NBA night, I'm playing eight hundred dollars worth of GPP. I'm playing, you know, the the hundred dollars Showtime and the and the two hundred dollars Splash and the you know stuff like that. And if I airball that, so be it. But it's like if I'm playing two thousand dollars per site, you know, FanDuel, DraftKings, and I airball that. It's like, well, the next day I play nineteen hundred dollars per site, and then I, I win that money back, and like I like, like it's just gonna it's it's gonna go up. My graph is gonna go like this, and yeah, at the end of the season, I I end up with more. I mean, like that's what happened last year. I mean, I looked at my last year's graph for cash games and NBA, and there were times where you know, yeah, I lost five slates in a row on all the sites, but there are also ones where I won five days. I mean, like. Like, so looking at that long-term perspective, it's like, that's fine. But in NBA, it feels like if I lose, well, tomorrow's another slate. But in NFL, I don't. So it it, it makes me feel, Eric, that's like maybe for the, the marginal return that I'm getting on cash games, that I just don't bother playing them. I, for, the, for, I, the, for the sake, I, for, for, for not, not because of like, oh, I'm not good enough to beat them. It's like over the course of an entire season, yes, that's, you know, I go ten and eight, and have and have a a small marginal ROI, yeah. eleven and seven. You know, like that. But that's all you know, you're doing in cash games. But for the volume of play that I'm playing, to make it worth that two to three percent worth it, is it worth me? Oh my god, I I, I lost this much. Oh my god, I won that. Oh my god, I lost this much. Oh my god, I won. Then just paying like two thousand dollars worth of GPP lineups and that from a mental health perspective, I like if I get put in 2000, get zero, like I'm expecting that in GP, like in GPP, I'm going in going, can I get it? Can I get, can I get 80% of my money back today? That's a successful day, right? <laughs> yeah, Cause yeah, I get exactly. to, I get to survive in advance. And, mm-hmm. and the upside of that $2,000 is a hundred grand. The upside of the, the cash game lineups is, you know, I'm doubling my money and I'm putting too much stress on, that I'm I'm foc- I'm focusing on the 
on what the two, what, okay, if I don't play Pittman, I play this guy. And if I play this guy, then I have to set, like I set up the swap that if I'm wrong, I, I got Arnold, Godwin, and Washington defense in the last spots. Yep. And then I get to switch to Jared Cook, Jacoby Myers, and Seahawks. <laughs> like, but I had to think about, I have to think about that type of stuff where it's like, if I'm only getting two, 3% return and I get really bummed out when I airball multiple sites in cash games, but I wouldn't for the GPPs. Like why, why even is, is the two to 3% even worth? I, I, obviously I'm leaning towards the sides that it's not worth it. Yeah. Um, it's really interesting that you bring that up. Well, two, two things. It's, it's most interesting because I think the casual player, and I could be wrong about this. Maybe, maybe the casual players expectations are more in line, like with you and I, but the casual player, I think would feel the opposite. For so long, it has been like, oh, you know, people like you, you've mentioned the 80-20 you know, rule, right? 80, yeah. Stupid fucking 80-20 rule and the dumb, how much do you play in cash? And right, all that 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 dumb stuff uh, that ignores all the actual most important questions. But they would feel like, oh, I don't want to go into, like, they don't want to be like me. And so um, I'll, I'll come back to this. I play much less cash than you. And as the year goes on, I play even less and less and less. And probably by the end, I won't be playing, you know, probably not that far from now. I won't be playing, playing any, I do it early in the season because I think that there is, there is an edge and I can do it like a robot. Basically I can, once my show is done on Sunday morning, 15 minutes before slate, I can click the optimize button. Sometimes I tinker a little bit with that, but it's like a fairly brainless. Right. Cause uh, in the beginning you're doing it because in the beginning of the season is more likely to be, less sharper players in the contest and they kind of go broke over time. And I know that I'm not the best at it. And so I know that like, it's okay that I'm going to lose to empire maker and I'm going to lose to some of those guys because there's enough other guys, you know, that are going to finish in the top that are in the bottom of the, the double ups or, or that, that are just going to make bad teams to, to make it a profitable thing, which helps for the first two, three months of the season helps smooth out some of those, those edges. So I do do that, but we're soon to be approaching a time where I'm not sure it's going to be helping me smooth out anything at all, because I'm just going to be playing against other, I'm just coin flipping with other really good, really good teams. And so I think that the, the normal person would, would tend to think like, oh, I don't want to play all my volume in tournament, you know, play whatever my volume is that Sunday in tournaments, because probably likely that I'm just going to bring zero back right in in tournaments and I don't want to do that I want to have that currently winning say something even if it's like oh I put 2,000 in cash and I got 800 back it's like oh I could have put that 2,000 in tournaments and got zero back and people have that psychology you know uh part of it I, I think and I, like I said I could I could be wrong but I agree with you like 100% I also think uh, the the mental part of it sometimes for me when I've played cash I will find myself in this spot where it's like okay this guy is the chalk I can just like write him I can more easily write him off for tournaments like because I got him in, I got my exposure to okay right games. worst case scenario I just win all my cash games right exactly which is which is a of gambler's fallacy right you shouldn't be true. thinking that way right and everybody has him if he goes off you're like oh i'll be good because i'll still win in cash well, not, that's actually not true it just means that everyone in cash has that score and now you're you're going to be coin flipping another yeah there's going to be some bad people that didn't play daryl henderson or something but it's like that's like such a small percentage it actually doesn't move the needle at all and so it's it's the opposite you know so it 
mentally sometimes and it's i've gotten i've certainly gotten better at that but again my catchphrase everybody's human it does seep in sometimes here and there you know you're making those final decisions leading up to the slate like okay do i play this guy or do i play that guy I got him in cash, so I'm going to play this other little 2v2. I'm going to play this other secondary correlation, whatever. Um, and I I feel the same way as you. I feel better when I just go in, play whatever amount in tournaments. If I brick, I brick. I show up here on Mondays. I proudly hold my L about whatever stupid-ass play that I made that didn't work, and we and we move on to the next. But when, when it is that cash game thing, I think uh, because there is a lot more to me that goes – goes into it from for very minimal return right like the be, the thing the best players on the planet are getting okay returns but like it's still nothing special okay and returns on one of the, on massive amounts of volume to make up for huge. the raw money right but, but that but that's how i but volume. but eric that's how i see it i see it it's it's weird for me to say that like we mentioned before like if you treat nfl it, 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 I think we're both, we're both, we're both doing something wrong. If we both, if we treat NFL as, if, as we treated any other sport, we, I don't think we do. I don't think even we do. I think most people don't. I Correct. think, I think the, 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 what, what happens, and it definitely happens to me, is that NFL is, uh, the most, that has the biggest prize pools, the most amount of liquidity. And the and the and the and the the softest fields, yes. right? It, it's still hard. I mean, it's not it's not easy. But in comparison to the other sports, you're going to get a lot more casual money in there. It's also there's no casual money in NBA. Like wait a month, and there's not going to be any right. casual money in, in NBA. You know, uh, but it's also the shortest. It's also like it's 18 weeks, and that's it. So, in if it was and it's imagine if we treated an NBA season like like NBA season we don't go in going I need to tra-. it feels like an NFL you have to you're going like the mindset is I gotta up my volume because I only got 18 weeks of the the bet the games with the highest edge and mm-hmm. I gotta just take advantage of it as much as possible now some people are willing to take that, that that's perfectly fine that's how I've been treating it right yeah the amount of volume that I play on an NFL Sunday is like five times higher than what I do on an N- N- normal NBA day. But Same. if, 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 if we're treating it as if an NBA slate and an NFL slate, it's all one long game, long run. It doesn't matter. My MMA slate and my soccer slate and my like one slate equals one slate. Then what would make the difference? Why, why, why shouldn't you just play whatever normal volume you do on a, on an NBA slate on an NFL slate? But you're only you're only playing more because it's like it's only one once a week, right? Or golf, it's only once a, MMA, it's only once a week. I gotta I gotta edge I gotta get my entire edge as much as possible instead of just treating one slate like one slate. Or is, is I know that you you in theory you should be gearing your volume and your constant selection based on the edge that you believe you have, right? Mm-hmm. That's what it should be. So I can understand upping your volume in NFL if you believe that the fields are much weaker. So I get that. But it seems like people aren't thinking of it that way. Like, I'm not thinking of it that way, and you're not. I'm not, When I say people, mm. I'm including ourselves in this. Correct. That we're thinking specifically, it more... Specifically. Specifically us. Right, specifically <laughs> us. And it's like, like, well, I got to play, like, all these head-to-heads. I got to play all these, the, the, the lowest, lowest stakes on, on FanDuel. 
I got to play all the one dollar and two dollar double. I got to take advantage of this. And even if I, even if I, oh, two v two, I lost. You know, whatever. Like uh, on the season on Fanduel, I think I'm, uh, I'm six and two on Fanduel and four and four on DraftKings. So we're not talking, we're not talking about like, oh my god, like I'm, I'm, I'm losing money in cash games. All that. like, no, I'm yeah. not. It's just that, 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 the last week, like, yeehaw! And this week, it's like it's all gone. Like, like it's just like it's like. <laughs> whatever everything I did uh, had good results last week or just like it's like I wiped them out in like in one shot and it's like like what at the end of the day I'm gonna come out and I'm gonna come out with like maybe 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 a couple of thousand bucks yeah. right and my volume May, right. If, if, right a couple a couple of, at the end of the season when all things are said and done if I have an and an, a, a, a within median range you know within the 40th to 60th percentile range i'm gonna come out with uh like five grand or something like that and it could be plus five grand it could be minus five grand it's gonna be somewhere within that range and it's like mm -hmm. like why why am i doing why 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 am i getting going through all of this why am what 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 yet i know that in in in, in gpps if i just played two thousand dollars of gpps for 18 straight weeks like my my plus or my my minus is probably like ten thousand but my plus could be like 500,000, right? It seems like I have the much yeah. higher ceiling, but the floor is lower, but it's still, there's, there's a finite, there's a, like, I'm not, I'm not going to be playing $10,000 worth of GPP volume. I'm playing like the, the most, if I airballed every slate and I just played $2,000 worth of GPP lineups for 18 slates, like the most I could lose is 36,000, but that, like, that would be an, un, like, that would be a four standard deviation result. I mean, minus yeah. four. I mean, I'm going to get some money back, most slates, and then some slates I'm going to make a little money on, and hopefully on one slate, I bank you know fifty to hundred grand, and then that makes up everything, and I'm I, I have seventy five thousand dollars in profit. But it's yep. going to be somewhere within. But I, there's a finite loss. But in the cash game realm, there's like there's no upside. Like it's it seems like I don't mind I don't mind the lower floor for GPPs because I know that's what it is, and I do that for NBA and I do that for MLB and. When I think in terms of this year, I will be playing five to six, 500 slates of DFS. 18 slates of NFL shouldn't be, make that much of a difference if I'm playing other sports or any, do you get what I'm talking about? Like we, we yes. treat this NFL like it's so different and we, we, we react and we, we contest select differently and we up our volume, you know, and if you saw like, oh, how about an MLB Wednesday slate? They're running a four 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 four. Like you would say, like I'm not fucking playing that. But since there's only 18 weeks of the NFL, it's like, no, dude, I gotta play. I gotta play this every. I got. I gotta play it every. I mean, yep. Is is isn't isn't that a isn't that a flaw? Flawed thinking. I think. I th so it's it's interesting because I haven't. I definitely haven't. You can tell I haven't thought about this enough, and I am certainly guilty of this. Is it I is it viable from, to think about? Am I at least bringing up a good point? Yeah. Yeah, so what I will say, I think the cash game thing is maybe even more interesting in a sense that you're building in this fake floor is kind of what you're doing while, like, I there's, it's kind of like, you know, like, we're comparing two, two DFS plays, and one, like, technically has a little bit of a higher floor, but it's really, like, not even that substantially different, you know, so, like, I don't know, Deshaun Jackson versus whatever you know, Braxton Berrios, right? Right. It's like their, their, their floors are really not that different, but the perception of Braxton Berrios is like, okay, he's going to catch, you know, I know he's going to catch a few passes. 
you know, and Deshaun Jackson, oh, he's got to catch the long bomb. When in reality, the floor is really not that different, but the upside is obviously substantially different on on the two the two players. And I kind of feel like that's the case in NFL cash games. Again, it's not that you you can't make money at them. It's not that, right, just to reiterate all of that, it's not that you can't be successful in them. It is that with everything like that you're outlining, there there still is a floor, right? You can get what you can get wiped out in 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 cash games, but like it, it's it may be a little higher than these tournaments because you're more likely to go to zero in in GPPs. But I'm not sure that it's so substantially different, and I'm definitely not sure that the the likely ROI is worth kind of everything else that comes with it. Uh, in particular, maybe giving up, like you said, giving up the access to the ceiling. And that's the big thing for me as it relates to volume, playing more volume on in, in NFL, especially what we've seen already with like the NBA contests, um, what happens to MLB contests as the year goes on. You know, I know that there's other sports, but I don't play every sport, right? Like my favorite sports outside of the main, the main big three are actually the college sports and the prize pools are very small for those you just know, like with me in soccer like i'd like to yeah. me i just can't even get enough money down good in soccer anyway so i don't mind i mean i'll that i'm never concerned about that like to me i'll play soccer cash games until you know yep i mean i'm what I'm, I'm good at them and it's not like i'm not doing it for expected return i'm just doing because i'm playing soccer and it's you know i get a thousand fifteen hundred dollars it's it's a thing that people i don't think people understand like how low the percentage is like like a good cash yeah. game player a good, I'm not talking about a great one, especially once you move up in stakes. Yeah, that's huge, three, a huge like, part let, of it. Three, per, let's say you have a 3% return, which is about what I have. I have between two or 3%. Uh, if you play a $10,000 worth of cash games on a slate, if you have a 3% ROI, <sighs> on $10,000, you have to risk $10,000, you're getting $300, <laughs> right? So you have to you have to have the bankroll, okay, to have ten thousand dollars on a slate. Now yeah. I'm much more conservative with bank bankroll management, but some people aren't. Some people play ten percent per slate, okay, which I think is the max you should be playing per slate, yeah, like that. But let's say we're gonna we're gonna do to the, the maximum. So if you play ten percent per slate, and you and you're playing ten thousand dollars. Per slate, that means you have a hundred thousand dollar bankroll. So with a hundred thousand dollar bankroll, assuming no variance, right, your expected return per slate is three hundred bucks. Now, obviously, that goes up a little by little as your bankroll goes up and yeah, down, right? But it's the small, small. But let's say, but let's say you did that on a consistent basis. So three hundred dollars a day sounds sounds good, right? Uh, three hundred dollars in the in the NFL, you have to play eighteen weeks. And we're not including the the afternoon only slate. We're just like the, the main slate type of thing. So three hundred bucks times eighteen is fifty four hundred dollars. <laughs> no money. Yeah, but the swings that go back. But you need a hundred thousand dollar bankroll to even do that. So yeah. a lot of the high end cash players are, are playing way more, playing a hundred thousand dollars worth of volume, and then you need you need a million dollar bankroll, and then even then you're one you're. Three percent return is three thousand dollars, but you could win or lose a hundred grand on a on any given day. So you like your your return is X, but your swings from a cat. That why do you think I only this is this is the reason why 
like I said, like I lost 3.4% of my bank, like, like on a, to, to other people that play much more, uh, risky, I, in my opinion, they would have lost, they would have lost 10%. They would have lost 9.8% and of their, like, I don't, I don't want, I, I just, for my mental health and for my goals, like we talked about last season, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want those swings. But now I'm considering, am I being too conservative now by like, should I even just cut out these cash games for the, like, what, what am I gaining at the, at like in a two or 3% environment? Maybe I still play them on FanDuel and I just yeah. me mega, mega, uh, max out the low stakes until they restrict me there. But then on, cause that's what I'm doing more so in, in NBA this year, like FanDuel mm -hmm. I'm playing just cause I can't handle two sites for GPP and NBA. I'm not, I'm not playing. I'm not doing multi-entry in NBA. I'm just, I'm focusing on 10 lineups, but, and then still playing cash games only cause I, essentially I'm playing a top optimal anyway. Right. But I'm not, I'm not upping my vol. Like I'm didn't up my volume. I'm playing at a level in which, like I could, I could handle, I could handle the swings and I'm profitable at, and it makes it easier for me to, to get my goal. Why aren't I doing that in NFL? Like that, that's, that's, so, that's the question I'm trying to answer. I'm trying to ask myself is the reason I'm not doing it in NFL is because I feel like I'm missing out on edge. And that's why yes. I want to like, Oh, I need to play all the games and all the stuff and all this stuff. And I get, I get the, in, in my, in my, in my belly, I feels like that's what I'm doing, like emotionally. And in my head, intellectually, it feels like, like that, that's the wrong way to look at it. Or people will just listen to this and go, wow, you're even more of a nit than I thought you were. Like, like, <laughs> like, and like a lot, a lot of the stuff that I ponder is like, is it, is it me? Maybe, maybe, maybe it's this. Here's, here's another, here's another thing. Maybe it's a, fear that I'm not good enough that I'm not, Everybody I'm not has. that, that I'm I play conservatively because I still don't know whether or not I could quantify my edge at all. And I'd rather lean towards that. Maybe, maybe I'm, I don't have as much of as edge as I think that I think more, more people think the opposite way. They think they have way more <laughs> of an edge than they do. Mm -hmm. I know that it's not that I'm not that confident, but in over six years and my results and seeing all my graphs and everything, should show that that I do have an edge in this game. I just don't know what that number is. Yeah. So I'm leaning more to the conservative side. Yet there are some sharper people that have told me, said based on what they've seen from that, I, sh I should be more aggressive. Like, like, no, you do have an edge. You should be more aggressive. And I'm like, like, yeah, but if I get to, I, I can't, I, I don't, I don't lose $25,000 in a night. I mean, like, I just, like, I'm just, I'm not, I'm just not psychologically built for that. I think um, I did want to say on the NFL playing more more volume. It is, it is just the one sport that you have access to the truly like year changing life life changing upside. You know, like on any given night in in NBA, you might have a hundred thousand dollars up top in a tournament um, on on a site, and it's probably just their you know big whatever. $15 on DraftKings or, or something like that, which is like, I don't, I don't even play that. And so I don't, so like there, there, there is something to be said for like, okay, yes, we're playing this game every single day. We're playing multiple sports and stuff like that, but this is the one sport, which also, like you mentioned, simultaneously has the softest action, um, has, you know, maybe some other different variables as it relates to kind of 
ownership leverage and, and all that different stuff that, you know, we can go in and like get like, like I got, you know, I can't get sixth in an NBA contest tonight and make 30 grand. Not happening. But, well, because they don't run a four thousand dollar contest. I mean, they could. Right. If they did. You could. But you know what I mean. But, but you know what I mean. Like that. That it just like doesn't. Like the like the the, the, especially the higher stake stuff. Like they're they're like struggling to fill up like a fifteen man, two thousand dollar contest on on DraftKings and like everything is smaller. I think Ricky D went in, uh, had a good thread or a good tweet or something like that before or like right at the beginning of the NBA season. It was basically like, you know, maybe you know, these these. DFS sports like NBA and stuff are not going to be growing. You know, people keep talking about like, oh, sports betting is here. And there's this kind of debate whether sports betting is going to help DFS or kill DFS. In reality, it's probably kind of somewhere in the middle. But like the contests are not getting bigger for basketball and baseball, certainly not really for hockey either. Um, and NFL, I guess, maybe like is a, or about the same. But it, it, DFS is really just kind of like a customer acquisition tool for these sites. And so... With that being said, NFL is the one spot where like we can have this podcast the next day and like one of us can win 250 grand or, or something like that. You know, like you just can't really do that. Um, I know you have more slates in the in the other sports, but I do think there's a reason to up your volume in NFL. But as it relates to the to the cash game thing, I think it's a lot of those different those different variables. Um, you know, I think everybody feels it's definitely what we talked about with the equation, right? Where there's uh, uh, people that are too far one way or the, there's there's no middle ground, right? Everybody just that just says like, oh, you know, I have to chase every cent of EV, or then there's the other people right. that are like too far on the other end. I think that's the case, uh, kind of here too. We have the 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 exact same thing. There's kind of like no no real no real middle ground. When again, that's kind of usually probably what it is. People, I gotta go. Um, like a, the cash game thing, I have to play these cash games or, you know, I, I mean, like, listen, to like Brick, you know, we talk about Brick quite a bit here because he's he's shared some awesome th thoughts from a sharp tournament, but like he doesn't play cash games. He, he, he just plays he just plays tournaments. No, most, a lot of the most of the MMA players don't play any cash, don't play any cash games at all. Yeah, which um, I've always kind of found interesting because I think I was I, I've stubbornly played cash and I think I've I've grown to a more acceptable approach to cash games for me personally and I do think uh the FanDuel thing I think is an important kind of caveat uh I I all I, I have not played much FanDuel like over my life I've played 95% you know, of my volume on DraftKings so same thing I can play the one and two dollar contests and stuff on FanDuel so I think that's an important caveat that I'm trying to consider and just the overall what I perceive to be the softness of of FanDuel like the, the players on on FanDuel um, you also have a lot of sharps that have moved away from FanDuel um, so you you're a little less likely to run into some of like I remember uh, Bryce Morrow third and Schlong is his mm -hmm. uh is, is his name he tweeted about how he's not playing FanDuel anymore uh, uh, which I don't even know if that's that's true but he tweeted it at the beginning of the season like he's not going to play FanDuel and he's not the only one there's lots of other people that are in similar buckets so there are reasons I think still to play FanDuel but as we've had this conversation I've started to even think like kind of the same as you. Uh, I, you know, this was maybe just like a lazy crutch, whether it was because like I had the, I think it's like potential false allure of a floor that I think I'm giving myself. Maybe some also like a false allure of like kind of this mental health thing. Like you think, oh, 
I can't go to zero in cash games, you know, so this is going to help me feel better, you know, the next day because I didn't just go all, you know, all in on tournaments, which is not true. Yeah, but I could, but the difference is, is that, that tournaments by their, by their design, I have the expectation of airballing. Right. But cash games, they don't have that expectation. So when, when you kind of airball them, like that's a big deal. It shakes you more, yeah. yeah right. Well, that, that's it, the thing, it, it, and 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 for the re- for a three percent return, is it is it is it is it is it worth is it even worth that? Where I can I, just, I don't think so. That's right, where I right. I know. I know. I know you're going to agree felt, with me. I don't think I felt that before we even necessarily started this conversation, but it's because I hadn't put the time and thought and talked to somebody about it like this. Where I think, yeah, I think it's probably just been a lazy approach to something that is not worth the time for the expected return that I'm, that I'm going to get. And it's probably, and like we talked about before, there's reasons it could be hurting my overall play, mm-hmm. right? I could have a 3% return on, on cash games, but it's hurting my GPP play, whether it's, it's taking away my thought from it. Uh, it, the thoughts are seeping into my tournament teams, blah, blah, blah. Right. So it could, I could end up be pissing away that, that 3% ROI. If I even have that, if I have that ROI. So um, yeah, that it, it's been, an enlightening thing to kind of think about. Uh, but like I said, I do think there are caveats, right? And there are probably, some people might say you need to play Yahoo cash games or something. I don't do that. But uh, uh, some people might say that, that um, I think are, that's probably the most interesting part of the conversation is like, where's the tipping point, right? I think DraftKings is like, I'm not sure that that's worth my time at all. But the other sites is like the discussion, the discussion point. Right, well, you're, you're finding well. the softest competition for the edge, but I'm, I'm but I'm talking about more of the, the is the I mean it's it's not uh, I, it's weird to say this because remember last week I'm like I I I, I won ninety nine percent of my head to heads right I mean like like <laughs> I forgot about that yeah. right so let, and this week I'm like well I I, I dusted got dusted on both <laughs> sites and it's like maybe this isn't worth like like from week to but to me I don't want to I I I'd rather not I could, the point that I'm making is that 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 swing up and down is inevitable. You can't avoid it. Yeah. So if you're going to be like, how do I avoid this going up, going down, going up, going down? Like, do, you're in the wrong business. You're in the wrong wrong hobby, wrong way to try to make money. It's going to be swingy. The thing is, yeah, is so that... Yeah, so do it. But I, do it I, I, I don't mind in GPPs to do it that way, but I don't want mm-hmm. swings like that in cash games where the upside is limited to begin with. And if I see that, like, dude, if I don't have a significant enough edge in cash games, just like... Like the three hundred, if I have a three hundred dollar expected return on ten grand, like I'll just take away the ten grand. My expected return in GPPs is actually higher. It's just that the swings are a little bigger, right? So instead mm-hmm. of taking the ten thousand dollars and putting it into GPPs and now have have twelve thousand dollar swings, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying we'll take out those cash games and put another thousand. Now I've now I'm playing three thousand dollars, but all in GPPs, right. and I don't. I never have the feeling of like, well, I, number one. If I airball, it it doesn't hit me. It's like it's GPP. What I'm I'm playing for first. I, I'm gonna get some airballs every so often. Mm-hmm. If I I do that in like in MMA in MMA uh, on Saturday, uh, before the last fight, I was up eight thousand dollars. After the last fight, it was down fifteen hundred. As long as if Jan Blahovich would have just won the fight, I would have made about eight grand, right? Because I had the optimal in in a single entry three max contest. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the optimal in the in the large field would have split too many ways that I didn't end up playing it. Uh, yeah. Uh, the optimal, like, the, not the optimal for projected lineup, the optimal, like, 
best lineup you could possibly construct because that's yep. the way MMA is. Uh, but like that, I could deal like from going like that to like, oh, I lost fifth. Like, like I put in forty five hundred dollars and I lost fifteen hundred. Like I just move on with my day. I mean, like, like that that doesn't phase me in any sense of the imagination. But like. And more than I don't risk like if if I were wasn't playing cash games, there would be no day that I could possibly lose more than five thousand dollars. I mean, like like there's no there's no chance of that because I don't play for that much percentage of my bankroll. So like, why do I want those swings in? What like what is 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 it worth it enough? And and that edge in cash games is only going to go down. Yeah. Right. It's not like oh I'm getting a three percent return on average. Right. I'm hud- hud- hovering between two and three percent. Well, then next year it's going to be hovering between one and a half and two percent. The next year after that it's going to be hovering between one and one and a half, and then, then it's like, what am I doing? What for this? For this? For this? Like, oh, it's so in, instead of my line going down like that, it's going down like like this, like 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 the the difference in that angle is is not being that dramatic. I know a lot of tournament players who probably listen to this and go, "You're just fucking quick cash. Why would you even start playing?" Like, like some yeah, of attitudes are just like, I don't even know why you're even bothering. Like just and like that's how an I, easy decision. That's how I feel now. Like it's and it's I, I feel like I've known this subconsciously for like a long time. Like, you know, this this but this it's like because when I started playing, this was extremely profitable. I max every you know, max all the up through the whatever, like twenty dollar head to heads on every side. Max, you know, because I when when I could play the the low stake stuff on DraftKings, max all that, smash as many, you know, I'd be just smashing all the double ups, right? Yeah, from five dollars, you know. Well, again, low stakes all. I mean, I would have so much in play and cash because the expected return was that much higher. Like you were giving away money, right? And, and it and, was legitimate. Just, just to just to just to put it in perspective, when I played cash games, when I started playing, so up until two thousand nineteen. Uh, where I got on DraftKings, middle of 2019 is when I got restricted from the one to two dollars from the lower the, from the lower stakes. And primarily, remember, I play lower percentage of my bankroll, so I could yeah. fill a thousand dollars worth of volume primarily in the lower stakes, right? By playing all the one dollar double ups, mm-hmm. all the two dollars, especially in NFL, right? Just oh, like, yeah. like just all like I just like I don't even have to play any contest that's over five dollars. My return in NFL cash games. At my first season of playing NFL was fifteen percent. Exactly. Now at fifteen percent playing at ten thousand, absolute. Now now fifteen hundred dollars expected return a week times eighteen weeks. Now 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 I don't mind as much anymore. But what you eliminate and the now that day, does, and now that does have that. Okay, you are building in a, an actual bit of a floor now. Right. You are smoothing out the you know those benefits that we talked about that are maybe false now. Those did ex- those did exist, and so I got myself. I think into that's just like that's just how I play NFL, right? You, you come into the season, and that's just what you that's just what you do with NFL. Go post your head to heads on Tuesday or whatever, and like you know you you fire the the double ups throughout the week, blah blah blah. And like it was just like that's how I've just like gotten into that habit. And I think uh, as we've talked it through, and like you said. I, I was probably just being lazy and stubborn and the the good players would be like, you're a fucking idiot. Why are you doing, you know, why are you doing that? But I think it was uh, probably hopefully helpful 
uh, this conversation <laughs> for me to uh, think, be more thoughtful, definitely be a lot more thought. It, even if I'm going to play some cash, I need to be a lot more thoughtful about it. Yeah. But I like the way that you put it, that, that in 2021 cash games, it feels like even if you're good at them, like it, it gives you that, it, it gives you a fake floor. Yeah. Like it's, 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 what it is. it's cause it, but it's really not. But the thing is, is that it, it kind of, it is, it kind of isn't cause I could take, take my graph, like I'm, I'm, I'll take a look. I mean, I'm not going to load it now. Yeah. But I think the last out, if I took my results from 2000, like 18, uh, like once I started get building up a bankroll, you know, you know, once I had six figure bankrolls and was out of more of the lower stakes contests, like my graph, if I just removed double ups and head to heads from my graph, the graph doesn't look any significantly different. The slopes are slightly, uh, sli- like just like I said, the angle is slightly just tiny right. different. Yeah, tiny different because it's like uh, it's superimposing a two percent return, like the <laughs> yeah, whole way true. through. So it's not like it's not it's not dramatically changing that much. Uh, in the beginning, it would if I took out a fifteen. If I was getting if I was getting twelve to fifteen percent, I was getting I was playing uh, NBA the first you know and just twelve percent because I'm playing the one two dollar games and yep. Like then, that made a di- that made a difference. That I used to play baseball. Out. I used to play baseball cash games. I played golf cash games. I put every like I played them. I played them all because of exactly what you said. I I believe that even when you're not, I I wasn't the world's best cash player, but like I can figure out how to use how, how to find that you know at least close to the optimal. You know I know how to make a good cash team even if I'm not necessarily always making the stone cold best cash team and so just being able to do that was it like you said you could get 10 15 20 percent rois across like all these so it did make sense back then but yeah now uh i don't think i can i don't think i can do that like admittedly like i'm not even trying to put up some false bravado like oh i could be an awesome cash player like i i don't even think i i could and even if i could like you said i don't even know if it's worth it right it's it's a it's a worth it thing it's not a it's not anything else I'm going to say this as I as I set up my head to heads for next next NFL Sunday. Yeah, exactly. And I go, I go I like, I what am I open, what am I right? doing? Yeah, <laughs> like, what am I doing here? Yeah, who are you playing in Showdown Cash today? But uh, some people say Showdown Cash is a pretty fest. I know. Uh, I've seen uh, some, some some friends that uh, do do very well in in Showdown Cash. A- Adam, shit, my money. I I think he does really well. In, right. Uh, in Showdown Cash. Me, I'm I'm, I'm playing for the. Come in, give me the. Right, give me give me the top, give me the top. Uh, yep. Eric Bime for on Twitter. Uh, I think this is a worthwhile discussion, right? I like I like the discussions where it's like talking through these random, you know, this like how, how should you approach the game, right? Like that's that's all we're really talking about. Like you you mentioned a lot of uh, the shows would be like we sign in on this Monday morning and be like. See, I fucking told you, Michael Pittman. Right? I told you. You got to play. You got to play. Right. Michael you got to play. Oh, dude, like lock of the slate. Right? Yeah. Michael Pittman and Chris Godwin and Daryl Henderson. Imagine fading, right? Put right. Imagine teams. fading Matt, the, the, the chalk. Ima- imagine. Ima- yeah, but Swift didn't make it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm not going to mention how Sw- I said Swift was a lot. Right? Like like that type of shit. I, I just, I, I, so selective. And like the fact of the matter is, the, maybe the reason why why I, I get upset at that is because uh, there's enough of uh, the audience is dumb enough that that's like it's it's one of those things where just like uh, 
I, 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 is the audience that dumb that you just like, I wrote an article with eight things and I got four of them right. And I'm going to mention the four and you're going to love me for it. Yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not going to mention the four things that I got completely wrong. And then, and then the audience thinks it's about getting the right and wrong things. And then you listen to us and it's like, it's not about either of those things. Right? It's like, it's like the results of whether or not you are right or wrong don't, don't even matter. Right. It's just building good lineups and like, yeah, play four of those things and just do it in four different combinations. And yeah. one's going to be right. One's going to be wrong. Hopefully you have all eight things in one lineup and that's what wins. And you go, well, then what, what, yeah, that's, that's, that's how you play DFS, right? That's, but, but that's why the, I, I find the conversations about like, okay, like, should you be playing cash or should you be upping your volume on NFL Sundays? Or like, should you be just approaching, like you said, should, should you be approaching DFS? Like, and when we talk about it, like the player, the players are just, you know, pieces, the chess, chess pieces right. in this, this game that we're playing. So why isn't every slate just like, you know, the next task, right. In your, in your career, the next, the next step of your roadmap of your career, it's like the sport doesn't matter. Why, why does the sport matter? You know? So I think that's an interesting you know, thing. Like, why am I playing differently on NFL Sunday versus tonight for, for, you know, for NBA, right. It beads out. Oh, I got, Oh, I got to up my, I got to play drumming in all my lineups. <laughs> Got to play more cash. Got to play more NBA cash because the two percent of people that aren't going to play Andre Drummond, right? You know, that's a that's that's people say that bullshit too. But it, it I, that's the thing is like, and and that's no, I don't know that. I mean, some of the best players in the in the world have that kind of thing figured out for them probably. But like, I don't have it. Obviously, we just talked about. It. I think I was fucking up with the the cash game thing, or I don't have a good answer to like exactly how much should you change your volume on an NFL Sunday? So like, but I don't, I don't think, think the best players does. have that answer. I, 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 I think maybe some come across that they do, but I think that they think they do. Yeah. Right. Well, that, well, that, but to me, I think that's the valuable point of like, I think it's more, it, it's more beneficial to question than to be confident mm-hmm. than to, I'd rather, I'd rather question. Maybe, maybe I got something wrong on Michael. Maybe even though he wasn't projected better than some of these guys and not, and just, I need to figure out where my ownership thing went wrong yeah not because Pittman did well because if he would have got injured on the first play I would have done the same exact thing go why the hell was we he did 28% owned we did we did this conversation on Odell right Odell exactly said, he tanked it's the same thing it's the, it's the, same, right. it's the same thing the random guy gets steamed at 30% and you're like what the fuck just happened why 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 is this guy you know that didn't even project that much better or didn't project better at all than uh the people around him why is he this? So yep, the conversation. Right, is the same thing with with, with contest selection. Like, why am I playing this much in cash games? Why sh- should I be doing? Like, am I doing something wrong? And it's and it's not a matter of right or wrong. It's it's like what's more optimal for my equation. Yeah, exactly. Right, exactly. And for my equation, maybe it isn't. Maybe it isn't worth it. And then some people may respond, "Oh, because you're not good enough at cash games." It's like I, I don't. You, no one, no one can be that great. No, I mean. Seriously, no one could be that unless you're unless you're grabbing like whale shit action. Like I understand why. Le- I mean, even Levitan says it on his podcast. It's like it probably he probably would stop playing cash games because for the fact that people just bad players just want to try to beat him. I mean, like, and God bless him or whatever like that. So like yeah. he posts he posts teams sometimes, and I'm like, that team was shittier. You you scored less points than my cash team. And he's like, yep, won 78% of head to heads. I'm like, I fucking broke even. <laughs> and, I, you know, and I had her scored more points than you. And you're just crushing because like you said, it's getting good action. Right. But I mean, but, but just questioning, I think that's, that's a sign of that you're doing something good. If you, I, I think that the overall thing is that if you're playing DFS and confidence is, it's, it's weird because 
in in most of in most aspects of life, confidence is a good thing. Typically, confidence breeds success. Even if it's fake confidence, you could walk into a business room and if you're confident, people buy your shit, right? Yeah. But I think in DFS, it's more detrimental to be confident. And I'm not talking about confident on specific plays, but confident that, like, oh, you have the answers. Right, that you have that you have all the answers. And I know that sometimes because of my style of speech, I come across as like I have all the answers, <laughs> but I don't have all the answers. All I'm saying is this is what I've done and this is what I found. And it, and I'd like to have a discussion on is this conceptually accurate? Can you be more pre- yes, can I be more precise? Yes, absolutely. But I'm constantly questioning. I mean, dude, I was questioning in 2016, starting to play MLB, that stacking wouldn't be optimal. I went through that experimentation of like, can is there a leverage way of doing this? Like, well, everyone's going to play Altuve, and I'm going to play I'm going to play uh, Caesar Hernandez, like, like that type of like the, that type of thinking. Turned mm-hmm. out that the correlation was way more valuable than that. But yeah. I question. I I looked at what other people were doing and say, is is this the best way? Because you go back to 2013 DFS, and people weren't even goddamn stacking in MLB, and I didn't play back then. And then people learned that that was more optimal to do. But I'm like, maybe there's even more optimal way, right? So you, just, I can't just go in and go, like, no, like when people come to me and say, oh, you got to play three plus one with a run back, you're right, in NFL. I go, no, it, really, it depends on the lineup, right? Yeah. It's, there's no there's no, there's no, no rule one or the other. I'll probably lean more towards correlation, but it depends on how well the guy's projecting the game. And it depends on a lot of these other things. But the more confident you are, the, l- the less... You, you block out all of other variables that could potentially you're not weighing appropriately enough. And a really the, the difference between two sharper players that are playing DFS is, is their confidence in their weights, not in the weights themselves. Yes. If you put it that, I don't think there's any sharp DFS player that could just say that like, there's certain things that like, Nope, not important at all. Like bankroll management, <laughs> not important. Like contest selection, not important. It just comes down to how much they weighted. We have some guys that very precise on their player projections, do a lot of good sims, but their contest selection is like, I'm just pressing the max button and fuck it, right? <laughs> and then there's some people that do the complete opposite of like, well, I'm a good, like, like I'm just going to, there's some people that I know that I'm just going to play the projected optimal from a projection set and then just do the best contest selection I could find and find the weakest fucking players and eke out, you're you're getting a 3% return. I'm getting a 7% return because I'm finding the <laughs> dumb fucks. Right? Yep. And but that's complete that's completely viable also. So like it's really mm-hmm. the confidence in the weights of how you play DFS. That going back to that equation is more some people that risk weight is like broken. Like, especially in DFS, right? Yep. The risk weight is like, oh, so uh so I lost two hundred thousand dollars yesterday, and like that, like let's go, let's go to the park, right? Like, <laughs> like that type of, and I'm I'm not built that way. I don't have a bankroll of that size or whatever. I'm not risking that percentage of my bankroll, so I weight different things differently. Mm-hmm. But I think the confidence in your like I'm never confident in my weights. Am I playing too conservative? Should I be playing more aggressive? Should I be playing large? I'm playing large field. I'm playing small field. I'm playing large field. I'm playing right. And we go through this all the time, like. I think yeah. I'm only going to play 20 lineups and so I could focus. Oh, that worked. The next week, it's like, maybe I shouldn't be playing cash games, right? <laughs> then the week after that, it's like, like, oh, if I would have had 150 lineups, I probably would have been, but I only played 20. So the next week, I'm going to play, like, constantly questioning 
Like, mm -hmm. what am I good at and where should I be going? I think the sign is, is the sign of a good player. Someone, someone that, that's been playing the same way since 2015. Just like I play the same contest that like, I think that's the bad way to go. Cause you're never quite, you're yep. never contemplating like what, what could you be doing to either mitigating your risk or increasing your return? And if you're not doing that, like what, how you, you know, it's eventually you're going to be eventually going to be losing money. Cause you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not advancing yourself. Yeah. It's funny because we do, you know, we do this show and it, it, it turns into like, it's, it's like a great, like, uh, you know, lesson learned time. Like not even just like, I think people think about it like, oh, they're doing it after the football slate. Or maybe sometimes we're talking about, you know, we'll get to NBA season, baseball, blah, blah, blah. And be like, oh, they're talking about that slate. And like the, the lessons we learned about, oh, you know, that play. And of course there, there are things like that too, but I'm like showing up on M Monday mornings and I always take something away that is like, how, like you said, how I can either improve my improve my game or how like the things that I need I should be thinking about. Like we just talked, about, I just want to be more thoughtful about X Y Z, right? I don't have the answer yet. Maybe we haven't, you know, we haven't even come to any like solution or whatever. But there are things that I want. I know that I can improve upon, and I want to improve upon, and I just need to, you know, like I said, be more thoughtful about those those kinds of things. And I think that 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 really is it. Like you said, that that's the summary. That's it. That's like, how can we, you know, and, and I believe in like the strong beliefs, loosely held thing. Like mm -hmm. I believe in certain things from within DFS, but exactly like what you said, I'm more than I'm more than open to questioning these things. Right. Right. Like the stupid, the stupid bringbacks conversation. Like it's so dumb. It's the dumb. It's, a, it's one of the dumbest things that's happened in DFS in forever. People saying like, oh, the. People have been winning tournaments without bringbacks. Are you are you paying attention? Are you learning that now we shouldn't be bringing it back? It's like, well, you never should have always been bringing it back. Any right, you it, should never have been forcing that to begin with. <laughs> and the other times you should be playing it. Like, guess what? If I didn't play AJ Brown as a bringback to the Pittman Wentz team, I'm a fucking idiot. Like that was that would you know, or some kind of bringback. Like I, I, that that was stupid. Like you should be because it, it you know because of everything that, again that you said projection right price. Blah blah blah. All those ownership, all that shit matters more than than just the, the correlate. It's not just fucking correlation, right? So, but th that's the thing. It's good that we're questioning that. We, sh I'm happy. I think that the industry is doing some of the questioning. Yeah, but the, the, some people are too confident, like no or yes, and it's like it's neither. Yeah. It's neither. Yeah, exactly. 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 That's that's the thing is it's like that's the problem that comes from this, and that's why it's become so stupid. It's good. We're evolving and talking about like. Okay, we know we should be stacking because correlation is good. But what about this? That's good. But we're, we're, we get to this point again where, like you said, people show up and they talk about the plays. Like, I got this right and I got that right. And I feel, I feel confident in my takes. And it's like, well, you shouldn't feel that way about the, the yes and no of the bring back thing. Because it's, it's actually, well, maybe. <laughs> the answer is like, maybe. It depends, you know? And so uh, I always... I, I, I use this is like so, a selfish way for me the the podcast is like a selfish way for me to improve my game and and stay on the right path because uh, it's easy. I mean, we talk you just talked about like bouncing back and forth between you know you're experimenting with things or maybe you go through a rut, maybe you aren't playing bad or you aren't playing well or or whatever or maybe you are playing well but you're just running bad, figuring all that. Right. Shit I mean, out. I mean, I mean, like, look at look at what I said. I I think. Look at what you did this week compared to some other weeks where I looked at your your small field lineup and go like why like why are you yeah. giving up this much projection to do this like like there's too much shit 
Like you know, mm-hmm. I know you understand. Like, and it's like I'm talking to someone that knows. I you, I know you understand this, just that you get carried away, and it's just like yes, like yeah, right. 100%. I over you do this. I could also do that, and it's like, dude, you're playing against 250 people. It's like, dude, fade DeAndre Swift, play Nick Chubb, play Deontay Johnson uh, across from it, and then press the optimize button. Then just literally <laughs> just press the fucking optimal button, and like they yeah. they they and you played the stack the the, the chalk combat, like that's all. You, and even then, I looked at that lineup and I said, like, even then, that's still a little, little too contrarian. You could have got, mm-hmm. probably played a little bit. You probably played Cooks instead of Johnson, and then not play yep. the Washington defense and played some other deep. And probably you may have won the tournament if you did that, right? Right. And that would have been a higher projected lineup. But, but it's you can't improve in your game unless you're talking to other people. You, you're the ones. You're the one. You're playing these smaller field things and. Before the podcast, before we started this last last year, like I would just constantly be playing a hundred lineups in the large field and whatever like that. And so like maybe I need to work more in my small field. Maybe maybe that's a better path. I don't know. I don't know if it is, but I wouldn't know without trying. And I could see the yep. way that you're playing. I study some lineups, and of course I had I had some single entry wins in NBA last year, right? Yep. Uh, and in NFL as well. And I'm like. Oh, maybe, maybe, no, this isn't a hundred thousand dollars. Right. I'm not playing the hundred thousand to first, but I'm playing 5,000 to first, $7,500 to first on a hundred dollar entry, small fee. I'm like, maybe, maybe this, maybe this is the better way. Maybe I get my equate for my equation, especially when my equation isn't trying to win all the money. Yep. So it's like, maybe I, maybe I do a mix of both. Maybe I go, this is the type of slate for this. I mean, I, I, I just, I don't know. Until I do it and listen to other sharper, pl- I'm not trying to. I think I think a lot of people, Eric, because when because people ask me like, what contest do you play? How much bankroll do you like? There, there's no correct like whatever works for you. I don't know what your strengths are. I don't know what cont- I don't know what opponents you're facing. I don't know any of this. So the only thing that you could do is just ex- like, am I good at small field? Am I good at large field? Am I good at cash games? Am I good at? Am I what sports? Right? Am I good at more variant sports? Low, high variant sports, low variant sports. You know, some people are good at golf. Some people are good at MMA. Some people are good at soccer. Like, like, depends on what. Like soccer, the contest structures for this large field are fucking ridiculous. Twenty thousand a first, and 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 fucking hundred dollars to eighth place. Like, <laughs> so I don't. I just don't. I barely play. Maybe I play six entries or something like that. So I focus on cash and like small field when I have a decent structure. Hundred man, hundred and fifty man, and it's like. Certain slates I do that, certain slates I don't. But most of the time, I'm still playing some cash lineup or something. But that works right. for me in soccer. In NBA, I don't mind playing cash games across multiple sites. And then now I'm building small field, smaller field lineups. Two weeks from now, maybe I'm playing 100 entries into the whatever large field. Maybe from that, I I don't know. Let's see what the field, what what types of things go on. And so there's no one answer. So like to me, any anytime someone has the one answer, it's it's almost impossible for them to be right. It's weird. Yeah. It's weird to say that, right? If so, if someone says this is the answer, you should play eighty percent in cash games, twenty percent in GPPs. You should play these contests and those contests and these contests. It can't be the right answer because it may be the right answer for them, but it may not be the right answer for you. Exactly, and I think that yeah, it is. It is kind of funny that that like the evolution of of the podcast because that's kind of what what it has become you know not even just like you dabbling in the smaller field stuff but like i mean like the my 
gal brain, like you said, like that, that is 1 million percent my biggest flaw, but I'm aware of it. I, and I know that it's going to happen again this season, right. probably that, that I, that I do it, but like, I'm aware of it and you continue to try to work on it and talk to someone that, you know, has that part probably a little bit better down than I do. And so it's a good evolution. Like you said, I play the college sports, to, to, the, the two college sports are like two of my favorite maybe my two favorite sports to play kind of probably like soccer for you but same thing you know like i i can't win anything i can't sustain my my you know life on on college basketball and college football dfs uh, but i play very 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 different in those um, because of exactly like what you said you know the contests are different there's also very minimal amounts of contests there's very minimal amounts of like like a, we get late season college basketball dfs there's like at least I don't know if anybody has has me blocked, but there'll be like three dudes in the in the head to head lobby, and it's like, well, if I'm gonna play, I only got cert, certain options, you know. And so that that is different for me in that sport, like you said, how you play soccer is different, right? And so everybody just has to figure all of those things out. And this show for me is like a never ending, you know, evolution of me trying to figure out that the you know how do i apply last week's show how do i apply my equation to all these variables um to figure out what works best for me and it, it's probably an, it's technically really kind of like an unsolvable question because it's always evolving and the dfs is always evolving but that's the goal right i'm just trying to find out how, how to best play for all the different variables in my equation right and that that and if, if you have any questions i mean we, i've never said it. you could always email in questions at uh, theoryofdfs.com. Uh, in the beginning, we, we used to take questions, but I mean, a lot of times we just end up talking about whatever whatever we see on Twitter, whatever people are chatting about or anything. You could, uh, uh, so you could always email. You could always email the show, theoryofdfs.com, uh, questions at theoryofdfs.com. So, 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 so you're, you're up on me on the seat. So it, it's weird, right? Right? If it could, that we're, what, eight weeks in and, You've had one winning week and seven losing weeks. <laughs> Me, I've had four winning weeks and four losing weeks. So with, for a sm small profit, and you're you're way ahead of me now. Yeah, one one funny and like it is really funny because I I showed up every month every Monday for seven weeks and been like, yep, fuck this up. Yep, then closed the laptop at you know whatever two o'clock. Never never thought about the slate again. And then yeah, this this is just. Uh, get a get a get a good one. If Dan Arnold wasn't such an asshole, or Urban Meyer wasn't such an asshole, it would have been it would have been even better. But uh, that's 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 how it goes. And uh, was lucky, you know, they got close. Like I said, in the the four thousand dollar contest, but uh, the the two live final tickets, King of the one one for King of the Beach, which is not quite the same. You got to advance, you know, you got to got to make one more round basically. They cut down the field, and then you get to go to the actual event, but. What, 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 what week is the what week is the the, the championship final? Is what week seventeen? Week sixteen? It's December nineteenth. I, I only remember week that. 15, I don't, so I don't know what. Yeah, I don't know what I don't know what week that is. Because I know they but, wouldn't do it on the last week of the season. Because that's stupid. No, usually second to last or third to last. Um, I think I didn't make it last year. Yeah, obviously. My where, where's it? Where's it going to be? Where's it this year? Miami. It's in Miami. Yeah. So that was not, it was just, it, you know, it's, it's everybody, everybody needs, you know, a little bit of a, a, a good luck here and there. And I think I got some good luck, especially in the, the live final queue. And then it gives you some upside right throughout the, 
the rest of the year, he got additional upside baked in towards the back. Are you going to try to get more, more seats or are you done? I don't know. I don't know yet. Um, I'll probably play for, for King of the Beach is real low dollar stuff, you know, anywhere from like 20 to $100 qualifiers. So I might dabble in that, but um, obviously up pretty, up pretty big uh, in the, the, the big live final from getting one already in the first few weeks. So might I don't know if I don't know if I'll attack that. Might take some time off and come back. We've talked about that in the past before, where uh, let all these whales get max get their max entries and then come back in and chase the overlay at the end. Maybe just play some satellites or something like that. That's what I do like to kind of people that want to dabble. There will be even if you don't have the bankroll for the the live final type stuff. There there's times where it can make some sense if you if you really want to try to chase one of those tickets because the experience is pretty fun and. Just to have the shot at the upside is also pretty fun. So right, yeah. and you're more, you're more likely to be able to, to get your money in better later in the season yep. once people have had three, whatever three or five or whatever the max there. I do that for like King of the Pitch most, most years, right? Yep. For the, for the soccer, it's not a live final, but it's a whatever. It's just like I wait for Sar- Saramek got his max red coat pew, and then <laughs> you're sitting there. It's a twenty person qualifier. Uh, and, uh, it's five minutes to go before lock and it's only filled 12 out of 20. And it's like, yep. okay, well, that's like automatic overlay. So like, I'll, 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 let me go. Let me do it then. Right. I'm always, I'm a yep. nit. Yep. I'm a nit, Eric. I'm looking for, for any, any little, little edge I could get. Yeah. And that'll happen once whistles will get his whistles might already have the fucking max. Uh, whistles already won. He already, know. they already gave him the pride. They already gave him. The yeah. <laughs> We're all playing for a second. Yeah. Just give him goddamn first. <laughs> Okay, so uh, so Eric, uh, congrats! I I I don't say nice things enough, right? Congratulations! Oh, oh, thank you. But we all know that you're gonna come back next week with with the fucking air ball. <laughs> Stone cold lock. Stone Did you see next week's slate? Lock. Next week's slate is an abomination. I haven't. It, it can't get much worse than this. This one was horrible too. No, uh, then look, no, of... take a look at the game. There may not be a total over fifty, and I think next week. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Right, and Henry's hurt, and Derrick Henry's hurt now, and Calvin. How, how do you how do you out. feel how do you feel about uh, before we go for just a, for half a second? But best damn ball. it, I never. Darrington Evans is on the IR, him. and you got like you got you picked the perfect. You have the most amount of the guy that would benefit if Henry is out, and he got injured before Henry got injured. <laughs> that is the that is like the perfect synopsis of like. I don't know, my fantasy career or something like that. Cause like, you know, it turned into like a little bit of a bit, but I thought he was like, you know, if we're talking leverage, whatever value, however you want to quantify a fucking late round fantasy football pick. I was like, this is, I'm like, this is, this is the guy. Everybody thinks no, Derrick Henry can't get hurt, blah, 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 blah. And like, you get it right, but you get it so wrong. Like <laughs> he also could not possibly be more wrong. Uh, Cause obviously he, he's played like, eight snaps on the entire season uh, and been on IR the rest of the time. So it was, uh, it was the fantasy gods had to give me a little kick in the junk the morning after having a, my first good NFL NFL Sunday, they couldn't let me, you know, feel too, too good about things. So it was like, you know, just so bittersweet to, to be so right, but like so far, so, so, so far wrong. Uh, the other thing is who would have thought at this point of the season if you'd, have, if you'd have said four months ago that that Latavius Murray would be the lead running back for the for the Ravens and Mark Ingram would be back on the Saints, like what, how did that happen? And Adrian Peterson's about to be the lead running back on the on the uh, team bound for the playoffs, the Titans. <laughs> uh, running backs, you can't you can't live with them and you can't not draft them. 
<laughs> okay, so as always, you can pick up the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports 15-hour audio DFS masterclass at theoryofdfs.com.